everyone, and welcome to episode 213 of At Odds with Wrestling. Joe and Adam here. Adam, hello. How are you? Oh, I'm great, Joe. Absolutely nothing wrong with me today. <laughs> well, nothing wrong with you today. Uh, I saw you tweeted out a positive test or a negative test, so well, you're it, doing great now, right? It was negative-ish. Okay. Like, like uh, the instructions say if you can see even just the faintest of lines, it's still a positive. Right. And, like, I woke up today and I was like, I'm fine. You know, like, there's nothing wrong with me. I, I felt great. I was like, I want to go on a doll safari. And I didn't do it. And then at, like, 6 o'clock at night, like, I start feeling like shit again. So, and I like, you, you might hear my voice. Like, I, I, I'm labored to talk right now. Right. But so COVID, well again COVID number I, two, I was just gonna say COVID number two uh do you get a prize if you get it a third time I want to know <laughs> no I think you have to get double digits you know oh. <laughs> all right no thanks well listen I, I'm not gonna lean on you too too much then you know I I did give Adam the out if he wanted to reschedule and uh he said he's not a coward like everyone else who got COVID this week he'll still <laughs> podcast <laughs> yeah, if there's anything that I am synonymous with, it's not missing a show. Right. You know, all reliable. For a legitimate reason. Like, this is how I handle work. Like, I use sick time to go and do other shit. Yeah. And then when I'm actually sick, I'm like, fuck it, I'm going to work. <laughs> and by work, you mean to the room in your house where you have to do work? No, well, well, yes, but that was also before, when I was actually leaving to go to the office and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, I would go there sick all the time so that I can use my sick time to do stuff that I actually wanted to do. <laughs> as it was meant to be, yeah. Right. But, as Adam is alluding to, uh, several people um, possibly contracted COVID at the LVAC show on Friday. Well, I'll just say, I don't go anywhere or interact with anybody except for going to wrestling. So I'd say it's a 100% chance that I got it at LVAC. Right. Now, I, <laughs> I rolled the dice and I didn't wear a mask, but I didn't get sick. Um, I did wear a mask to uh, AEW when I went when I went with DJ a couple weeks ago. And when we go this upcoming Friday, I'm going to be wearing a mask. And then we go to the pay-per-view and everything. I'm going to be wearing a mask in the building. And probably the next LVAC show, I'm going to be wearing a mask the whole time just to be safe, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've been running pretty fast and loose without the mask recently. And, yeah. like, I made it through, like, several toy shows and AIW shows and even the Steel Stack show, which was, like, 100 times more packed than Sokol's was. So I was kind of like, oh, I'm not getting it anymore. But, yeah, maybe back to the mask for these tight, tight shows. Right. And at the very least, from the show, uh, directly, one, two, three, four, seven people I know of got it, that, that like, publicly said they got it. Like, who knows who got it and didn't say anything, who knows who got it and just never tested, you know, but that's a pretty halfway decent sampling, you know? Yeah, my, my buddy Rob, who's not on social media, uh, he got it, and he's big mad because, it, like, him taking a week off of work really fucked him. So uh, it might take a while before I can convince him to come to another wrestling show. Oh, boy. Well, not all of them are like this. Usually, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to say. Yeah, but the show itself was a blast. I had a good yes. time. Uh, I don't know if it's up on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium yet. I doubt it, sadly. 
uh, LVAC is not one of the A tier companies there. You know, um, I don't know. I, I don't know if this will come. Like I said, I don't screen the voicemails. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> if it comes up in the voicemails, we'll cover that whole thing. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was like old school. It was five matches. Nothing felt forced. Nothing felt rushed. Um, I really thought the best match in the show uh, was Edith Surreal versus Becca, who I'd never seen before wrestle. You know, mm-hmm. I thought they had a really good match. I was not in the crowd uh, when Max the Impaler threw a garbage can full of <laughs> beer bottles at Big Dan. I was about a foot away from it. <laughs> yeah, apparently everyone sold it like it was like the craziest thing ever. Because like as the beer bottles fell, they just shattered all over the place. Yeah, it was definitely a, a much more extreme atmosphere than I've ever seen in an LVAC show. And they did an extreme rules type thing with uh, Dasher against Mantis, right? Yeah, well, that was like a breaking table. This is shards of glass, like safely moving around the floor. I'm not going to be like, ooh, people were in danger. But it was just yeah. the spectacle of it, you know? Yeah, and then the big unmasking as well. Uh, Hydra lost the match. He had to take off his mask. And reveal himself to be a former partner of Billy Avery back when Billy was known as Avery Boysenberry, teaming (laughs) up with uh, Leslie Butterscotch as the Flames of Love, not to be confused with the Flavors of the Week, which is the Leslie Butterscotch Orange Cassidy team. No, my I I had tweeted that out. I might have been the only person or the quickest person to get that tweet out. Surprisingly, I was sober when this was happening, so I took a decent shot, and uh, it got like not twenty thousand likes. I'm not fucking Ed from Pod Van Dam, but it got like (laughs) twenty thousand like impressions, like people seeing it. Yeah, yeah, which might have been like my furthest reaching tweet ever. So uh, glad that a lot of people saw that, and I, I broke the news. You know, an exclusive. <laughs> I had a stupid tweet about Orange Cassidy and uh, Mark Henry that did pretty good over the weekend. Yeah, I saw that. Um, I have I have developed a system for going to wrestling shows and drinking. I call it getting flash drunk. And it's uh, not to be confused with flash funk. But it's like you get to the show and you just start pounding beers like crazy. Like try to have like six or seven within the first half hour. Okay, and, th- and then stop at intermission. Now, and what'll happen is I'll sober up by the end of the show. The good thing is that, like, obviously you're sober to go home, and you can enjoy the beginning of the show. You can enjoy the end of the show. The middle's kind of fuzzy, but it's a good system if you're into that kind of stuff. But hmm. luckily, all the matches that I took photos of were kind of like on the the bookend at the middle of the show for me, you know. Now, again, not, uh, you know, related or not related, um, I don't think I've had a drink since uh, Ed was on the show. Oh, really? Yeah. You know, I just, uh, I don't know, there's just something about it. I'm like, "Eh, I'm good. I don't need to drink right now, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I I, I probably won't drink again to the next wrestling show I go to. (laughs) You know? We'll see. So, listen, I I mentioned this, and uh, should I show this? How long is this? How about this tonight? Five minutes. Now we'll do another day. Um, I wanted to pull up the Leslie Butterscotch Orange Cassidy match from Ring of Honor TV. Mm-hmm. But uh, maybe another day. Maybe another day. Let's let's not talk about just random things. Maybe if I could figure out what the anniversary of that show is, you know? Yeah, we'll save that for the Patreon. Sh- yeah, exactly. Let's get into this, though. 
And now, At Odds With Wrestling presents This Day in Wrestling History. So, hey, there was stuff that I eliminated from this day in wrestling history because it was so big and I couldn't really ascertain if it was tape date or air date, you know, Mm -hmm. because sometimes things do play a little fast and loose. But like I said, it's a big day. uh, This day in wrestling history. I always like when we get a bunch of like the same events after like so many years lining up on the same day, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this day in wrestling history in 1990, uh, World Championship Wrestling held a Halloween Havoc event. Uh, from Chicago, Illinois, this show is probably most famous for the main event, which was Sting versus Sid Vicious, with the fake Sting. Okay, vague. Like, there's so many fake Stings over the years. You expect me to keep them all straight? Well, this was in the midst of the Black Scorpion angle, um, but also, like, Sting was taking on one of the horsemen in Sid Vicious, at one point during the match, they brawled to the back or the outside or something, and then um, Sid comes back into the ring with Sting, pins Sting, and they do, like, the whole, like, fireworks and everything celebration that Sid is the new champion. And then all of a sudden, real Sting comes out, and because they were running out of TV time, like, it wasn't until, like, TV the following week and the next like months later in the magazines that it was Barry Windham who had cut his hair and dressed himself up as sting to present himself as a fake sting. So the horseman can win the belt. Okay. But like the fact that this is happening all in between like the black scorpion stuff, like kind of just like, Oh, what the hell's going on? Um, but I will say from this show, go out of your way to watch the Steiner brothers versus the nasty boys. Now I'll pass. No, you know what? <laughs> this match is crazy. Like, if you saw this match on a TV show or an indie show in 2022, you'd be like, these guys are out of their goddamn minds. And this is a match from 32 years ago. Um, but this is absolutely the match that got the, the nasties signed by WWE. Okay. Uh, like where they went on to have banger matches after banger matches, right? Well, listen, all you really need is one really good match. And then, uh, you know, Kevin Nash will tell you it's more about the money than the matches, right? It's money in the miles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. All right. So also on this day in wrestling history in 1991, a year later, uh, World Championship Wrestling held the Halloween Havoc event from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um, this show is probably most famous for the opener, which is the Chamber of Horrors match. This is the one where Abdul is, like, electrocuted in the in the chair, right? Yes. All right, I remember this. Um, so very, very famous just because how WrestleCrap it is. There's, like, 19 different things going on in this. Like, even if you don't include the fact that, like, Ellie Gante exists, <laughs> you've got the referee cam where the referee's wearing a helmet with a camera on it. Uh, you've got the ghouls that are outside, like, popping out of the coffins or, that are around the ringside area. Uh, it's supposed to be a gimmick where Cactus Jack throws a switch to like set the electric the, the electric chair off, but as he's climbing the chair to the cage to get to the switch, the switch falls down because it's a shitty prop. <laughs> Sounds awesome. Right. 
Now, as as big as a like glaring thing that this is, um, there's two other things that happen on this show that are probably just as important, if not, you know, one's a red letter, but one's for sure. This was Rick Rude's debut in WCW, and this was the start of the Dangerous Alliance. Oh, all right, I'm big Dangerous Alliance, Mark. Right. Uh, if you look at the match listing here, you'll see this match here of the Halloween Phantom versus Tom Zink. Okay. Uh, so there was two Halloween people matches. There's the Halloween Phantom, and then there was a tag team match earlier in the night of the Halloween Creatures. Halloween Creatures were just two guys under masks. They get jobbed out, whatever. Halloween Phantom comes out very clearly Rick Rude. There's no mistaking that physique. He has very distinct tattoos, even in 1991. And they're doing their best to shoot around it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then he takes the mask off. He cuts the promo. Medusa comes out, Paul E comes out, and then the following week on TV is where, like, the Dangerous Alliance forms, right? Yeah. Um, another match on the show is uh, the WCW World Tag Team Champions of Arn Anderson and Larry Zabisco taking on the U.S. Tag Team Champions uh, from their hometown was WCW Special Forces, the Patriots of Firebreaker Chip and Todd Champion. Ah, Todd Champion. Big Todd! No, not Big Todd. <laughs> uh, so it wasn't this match, but it was a house show match well, during this time frame. And uh, Arn Anderson did not like working with these guys. Firebreaker Chip was fine. He was, you know, a journeyman type guy. Uh, and his name escapes me and I'll get a direct message when I wake up in the morning of telling me who it is. Uh, Curtis Thompson is the guy's name. Uh, but Todd Champion was just like a guy, and he was green, and he sucked, okay? Mm-hmm. So they're wrestling a house show match in the West Coast, and before the match, uh, Todd Champion says to Arn and Larry Zabisco, hey, you know, my family's here uh, to see me wrestle. Like, it's the first time they're getting to see me wrestle on this big stage. Can you guys, like, shine me up and make me look real good, you know? Mm-hmm. And they say, no problem. <laughs> so Todd Champion starts the match off, locks up an Arn Anderson. They do the shove-off. Arn Anderson backs him into the corner, tags out to Firebreaker Chip, and they never tag Todd Champion back in for the rest of the match. <laughs> now, is Firebreaker in on this, or are they just no. cutting the ring off in half and let him tag out? They're cutting the ring off and let, not let him tag out. That's awesome. <laughs> that, that's a good rib. Those are the type yeah. of ribs that I enjoy. <laughs> Harmless rib. I like Yes. It. Uh, so five years after that, 1996, World Championship Wrestling holds Halloween Havoc, which would be the home of Halloween Havoc going forward in Las Vegas, Nevada. This is kind of around the time where Halloween Havoc more or less becomes the WCW WrestleMania. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, I know we as fans probably think it was Starcade, but if you go back and look like Halloween Havoc is kind of where they, you know, did that sort of thing, you know? Halloween Havoc kind of screamed marquee event for WCW, whether it was the set or the early gimmick stuff or just like the costumes of like Rey Mysterio. It always kind of, yeah, you know, stood out. So uh, this is the show. Um, and oh, Macho Man was always somehow involved because it was always Slim Jim presents Halloween Havoc. <laughs> yeah, and because yeah. Macho had the Slim Jim deal, Macho would always be either in the main event or involved in the main event somehow. Um, but after the main event of this show, uh, Roddy Piper makes his debut for WCW during this time frame. 
Okay, I was watching uh, this live. Which was a big deal because he was just recently on WWF TV. Oh boy, let's say maybe like two months prior. And he did like a surprise appearance at a house show less than a month prior to this. Okay, I'm trying to remember what he was doing in WWF at that time. Like wh- he was. was he about here. Okay, no. So he had the feud with Goldust, right? And they yeah. had the match at WrestleMania in '96. Mm-hmm. But then he was just on TV uh, intermittently because this was at the beginning of the year when uh, Vader had laid out Gorilla Monsoon. So Piper was the acting president of the World Wrestling Entertainment during this time. Okay. Vague, vague memories of that. Yeah. Um, but this was a big deal. You know, Piper and Hogan again. It was, you know, leading to the, you know, we, we get the match at Starcade, which we'll probably talk about in two months when it comes up and everything else like that. But, uh, you know, I, I was, you know, I just got back into watching WCW earlier in 96 because of the jump with the Outsiders and everything. And uh, I was watching WCW probably more in 96 than I was WWF. Yeah, and I think I've, I mentioned this last time we talked about Piper's run in WCW. I was so mad that he didn't get a shot at the – or he didn't win the WCW title. Like, yeah. Obviously, he never got it in the WWF. And then as a Piper mark, I was like, oh, just give him – even if he gets it on a Sunday and loses on a Monday, just have it on the resume. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. Um, I'm shocked that it never happened, but, you know, he, he gets a good run. He's here until, like, the company pretty much closes up in 2000, you know? Yeah. I mean, the WCW title was reserved for the top of the top of, like, wrestling, though. You know, they had to put it on, like, David Arquette and, you know. Well, it was a different time. It was four years later. It was a different time, you know? Yeah. Uh, so we have our head-to-head, um, 1997 Raw versus uh, Nitro, right? Yep. Uh, sadly, Raw is kind of like a nothing show because it was taped the week before. Um, it was the first taped Raw in quite some time, and us talking about this is maybe the first taped Raw in almost two months. Okay. Um, but like I said, nothing really happens. Like they set up Mankind versus Kane for Survivor Series. Uh, Austin does a run in during Ahmed Johnson versus Owen Hart, and they set up that they're going to do Ahmed Johnson versus Stone Cold the next week on Raw, which I don't think ever happens, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, since like, you know, the Attitude Era, you know, kind of sort of started around like SummerSlam time, this is the first time that Nitro kind of it looks like the better show, even on paper. Um, you know, it's a, it's the first three hour Nitro, um, cause they're doing it like in conjunction with the promotion of Assault on Devil's Island, Hogan's movie. Um, you know, we get the first, uh, you know, we get like a Chris Jericho versus Eddie Guerrero match, which is really good. We get a Benoit versus Fit Finley match, which is really good. Uh, we get a Ra- the Raven versus Scotty Riggs match where Scotty Riggs gets dropped old into the chair and now has to wear an eye patch. That's this match. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> right. So they still don't know what they're doing with Goldberg yet. They do him versus Disco Inferno. Disco's the TV champion, and they don't want to beat Disco Inferno. So yeah. they have the match be a no contest. Got to protect Al- Disco. <laughs> right. You got to protect Disco. But, like, technically, because he doesn't win this match, does Goldberg have the uninterrupted win streak? So how did the match end again? I kind of glossed over that. It was a no, no contest. contest. 
before uh, Disco gets to the ring, like Goldberg comes out and does his whole entrance. Disco comes out to the ring and he gets attacked by Alex Wright and Mongo. Alex Wright and Mongo then attempt to go attack Goldberg and then Goldberg just crushes them both. Yeah, I think by that logic, it, it the match just didn't happen. Okay. You no, know, it's not like nowadays where you'd be like, oh, he has a record of 100, oh, and one, and, you know, one no contest. Right. I think the match is just thrown out so it didn't exist. And I'll side I, with WCW on that one. And I'll say this on the flip side when they all claim that, like, oh, it was this grand plan we knew from the time that we debuted Goldberg that he was going to be like this unstoppable thing and he was going to have the, the win loss or whatever it was. What if here, like, maybe in his sixth or seventh match on TV, he beats Disco for the TV title. And then, you know, because obviously, like, uh, the summer, or no, April, he beats Raven for the U.S. title, and then July, he beats Hogan for the world title. What if it's he gets the TV title first, then the U.S. title, then the whatever, right? He'd be Ultimo Goldberg. Well, (laughs) again, he has all three belts. That would be cool. But it's like, he has the TV title, he beats Raven... They have to give up the TV title to a tournament. He beats Hogan for the U.S. title, or even if he keeps the TV title. Like, he has the TV title and the U.S. title, you know? And if they really did have that plan, like, why would they protect Disco Inferno of all people (laughs) in 1997, you know? They had big plans for Disco. Oh, they certainly did. Now, aside from the kind of fill me in on, on wrestling history here, um... Obviously, you had Lance Storm with all the Canadian belts. Yeah. Was there a time in WCW prior to that where somebody held multiple titles? And I'm not talking about they won it and then the next day gave up the lesser, but like held on to the belts for a while. There were periods of times where um, like Hall, Nash and Waltman would have like the tag titles and another belt, you know? Sure, like, but I mean, like, multiple singles? No. Okay. That's what I was thinking. Like, I just, nothing jumped out at me. Obviously, Lance Storm's run with all of the secondary singles belts is the first thing that pops into my head. Yeah, but I say, they, if we could turn back time, you put the TV title on Goldberg here. Yeah. Uh, another, another cruiserweight belt. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Uh, another quickie, just wanted to throw it out there, on this day in wrestling history in 2008, uh, Gabe Sapolsky was relieved of his duties as Booker for Ring of Honor. That's a shame. <laughs> well, two things I'll say about that. One, everyone, like, you know, talks about Gabe having this great run as Booker in Ring of Honor. When you look at it, he was actually only the solo Booker there for four years, not even, like, maybe a little bit more, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then if Gabe doesn't get fired here, he doesn't start Dragon Gate USA, which then means he doesn't start Evolve and so on and so forth. And, you know, it's that four year run that Gabe had his Ring of Honor that so many people consider like those four years of Ring of Honor independent wrestling still to this day. All right. That's I'll take your word for it for better or for worse. Yeah. <laughs> And lastly, but not leastly, on this day in wrestling history, 2013, World Wrestling Entertainment held the Hell in the Cell pay-per-view from Miami, Florida. Um, A decent enough show from the looks of it. Um, 
you know, we got Cody and Goldust versus the Usos versus Seth and Roman in the opener for the tag titles. I'm sure that match is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Punk against Ryback and Paul Heyman in a handicap Hell in a Cell match. I'm sure that match is really bad. <laughs> You're glossing over Fandango and Summer Rae versus the great Kali and Natalia. Well, and I'll say, so, uh, you know, obviously with the notes, I leave some bits out. Uh, Fandango and Summer Rae are who they are. Great Kali and Natalia are accompanied to the ring by uh, Mr. Six WrestleManias himself, Mr. Chocolate Doodoo Fingers, <laughs> star of Muppets Most Wanted and Leprechaun Origins, Dylan Hornswoggle Postal. But this is also in the midst of Natalia having the farting gimmick. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Vince. <laughs> um, so then the main event is Randy Orton versus Daniel Bryan, Hell in the Cell, for the held up world, uh, the the World Wrestling Entertainment Championship. Shawn Michaels is the guest referee. I don't know if you remember, this is where at the end of the match, Shawn gives Danielson a super kick mm-hmm. and costs them the match so Randy could win the belt. Yep. Well, and then they set up for the next pay-per-view, Night of Champions. Uh, they set up Cena, who wins the world title from Del Rio on this show against Randy Orton. And again, the Raw, where they're doing the contract signing, and the entire building is chanting for Daniel Bryan, and Punk is on camera just, like, encouraging it. Wasn't Is this around the time that there was, I don't know how serious it was, but maybe it was just rumors of, like, Danielson trying to get a match with Shawn Michaels? Okay, so that's the other thing. Shawn Michaels super kicking Danielson here was supposed to be the build to Shawn Michaels versus Danielson at WrestleMania for 2014. God, that would have been awesome. But we'll get to it. We'll get to it in like three months when Punk has the issue at Royal Rumble and leaves World Wrestling Entertainment. And then they have to scramble to rearrange things. And then they have to take, you know, the the Danielson versus Shawn Michaels match now off the table. Uh, Unfortunately, probably will never happen. And Danielson ends up winning the title at WrestleMania that year. So fucking Phil robbed me of that dream match? Yeah. That piece of fucking shit. That's it. Buddy's gone. (laughs) Anything he has left on his bunny number three (laughs) is thrown in the garbage. Fuck that guy and his ugly dog. (laughs) I don't know. The picture I saw you tweet out of the dog, you looked really handsome. Ugh, I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so like, think about this. So if, uh, if Punk... Okay, so this Hell in the Cell 2013 sets the wheels in motion for WrestleMania. And let's say Punk does not quit, or whatever he does, go home at Royal Rumble in 2014. WrestleMania that year ends up being Danielson versus... Uh, HBK. Classic. Uh, Punk versus uh, Triple H. I'm sure Paul would carry Phil to a good match. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then it would have been a three-way with Orton, Cena, and the returning at the Royal Rumble this year, Batista, for the title. Uh, I'll pass on that one, but... (laughs) Okay. Two out of three ain't bad. Right. So it's just so crazy that, like, it looked like they had a plan, like, going six months out. And then, as you mentioned, Punk out of Rune at all. Yeah, fucking Phil. God. I tell (laughs) you. Good riddance. 
<laughs> is this how we're segueing into uh, the last week in the world of professional wrestling? Uh, I guess. Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> you know what? I don't have a lot to talk about from it, uh, but obviously, I don't know how like a little 30-second commercial could be the, the most talked about thing on an episode of Dynamite, mm-hmm. but we get the little promo bit of the Elite being like snapped out of existence by Thanos, you know, and they show them at the... Uh, original kickoff press conference for AEW and a bunch of other matches where they win belts, you know, Kenny Omega and the Bucks, and then just kind of disappearing. And to the best of my knowledge, it's not referenced by the color commentators or anything like that. There was no, you know, returning next week or to be continued or anything like that. But it was just kind of like, a, hey, we're still going to acknowledge that these guys exist and we're going to feature them. In like a, I don't want to say a television role, but I mean it was on television and it wasn't in the background. So you're obviously gonna go ahead and say, "Hey, these guys are back. Don't worry. Uh, we're gonna start the storyline," which I have no problem with. Uh, if I had to choose between Phil and the Elite, sorry, Joe, I'm taking the Elite. I'd rather have Kenny Omega back than fucking broken down Phil from Chicago. So we'll see where this goes. Who knows if. If CM Punk will be back or if he's going to go to the warm embraces of Papa H (laughs) and uh, I don't know. It's just a lot of like talk on the Internet over like a 30 second commercial. Yeah. And as someone who just came off watching and doing way too much research on the ashes of Chikara, which we'll be talking on a little bit later on here tonight. Yeah. To paraphrase the classic film falling down. What is this? Nerd shit? <laughs> Come on. And listen, like, oh, we get Kenny back, but we also get the Bucks back, right? You got to take the good with the bad. Ugh. <laughs> well, so that's the thing. If I could pick, I'll take Kenny back and I'll take Punk back. I think Punk is worth two young bucks, right? Oh, I mean, absolutely. If we can mix and match this, right? You know, I'll do that all day. Uh, the Bucks can stay home with Larry. and uh just give me kenny omega and and cm punk i'd take that but if i could only take one of them i would take kenny omega if i'm stuck as a package deal i guess i'm getting the bucks yeah again like i said if the package deal is kenny in the bucks then all you is fucking stay home the show's been the show's actually been good like like you know we talked about it last week and this week too like dynamite's been good for the most part without them being around gumming up the works with their nonsense you know what? I'm going to disagree with you in part and just say uh, I'm not going to say that the shows have been bad, in my opinion, because the elite haven't been on there. I feel like the shows have been kind of stale because despite the fact that it's you know three hours of television every week, I feel like we're getting the same five or six people over and over again. And there's a lot of people that, in, as far as I know, are healthy and able to show up to TV that just aren't getting any TV time. And you could say, oh, they're on Dark or they're on Elevation. That don't count. It's not national television. So that's uh, why I feel like the, the shows have been kind of meh. I'll vehemently disagree with you. All right, I guess you're not a fan of Eddie Kingston. That's fine. Well, see, that's what you say. <laughs> but Eddie Kingston is in promo segments, like, once this past week, which was great, but that's he, the first we've seen him in a while, isn't it? He was on Rampage last week. He was on Dynamite in a promo segment the week before no, when he, he did his apology or whatever, like his phony apology last nice. week on Dynamite. 
Then on Rampage, there was the backstage confrontation with him, Ortiz, and Death Triangle. And then this week was the thing with him and Miss Renee. So it's like, I don't know, you give me shit like, oh, I guess you don't like Eddie Kingston. <laughs> I guess you don't pay attention to when Eddie Kingston's on TV. I, I, I caught the one with Renee. I don't know uh-huh. what it is. Renee, Renee Young might make these segments stand out more. I don't know what it is. And okay. that segment was scary, too. Like, I, I I think I said this on Twitter. Like, I don't know how a man can smile that much and yet be that terrifying. <laughs> but, uh, okay, Eddie Kingston, yeah, like, you have a couple backstage pre-tapes. And, yes, I love the fact that Orange Cassidy has been taking on you know, challengers two at a time because he doesn't want this to take too long. So he's just knocking them out in trios matches, which is awesome. But there's still, it's just the same people over and over again. I don't know. You got to kind of agree with me that we're not seeing much variety in the roster. I'm not exactly asking for fucking Brian Pillman Jr. here, but there's fucking a lot of people that like, obviously I'm a Miro fan. Where the hell's Miro been? Is he healthy? Is he broken? You know, there's a lot of people. Miro was on the last pay-per-view. Um, I don't know what his deal is, but I, again, I, I think if you go back, you're going to see it's a much wider variety of people that you're seeing getting a chance. Um, and again, I'm not going to belabor the point, but you know, there's obviously a lot, a lot of focus on Jericho, but there was a lot of focus on Jericho before the Elite and Punk were gone. There was a lot of focus on Moxley. There was a lot of focus on Danielson. There was a lot of focus on MJF. Well, actually, there wasn't a lot of focus on MJF because he was gone from May until just this last pay-per-view. But, you know, you've seen, like, the rise up of Daniel Garcia a little bit more. You've seen the rise up of Wheeler Yuta a little bit more. You've seen Claudio on TV a little bit more. Um, You know, I think a lot of the focus has been on a lot of the Ring of Honor stuff, and it still is. But I think a lot of that would have been going on irregardless of the Bucks and Kenny being on TV. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm not not enjoying AEW, but at the same time, I don't feel like I'm getting my socks knocked off by it. Mm -hmm. I'll say this. I don't skip segments on Dynamite. Mm. But when the Bucks are on, I skip their segments. Like, I don't even watch them. I I, I got nothing for them, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. So they could be having these great matches, but they're not matches for me because, you know, I know what the deal is with them. And, uh, you know, I, I, they mentioned on Pod Van Dam this week, imagine how fucking insufferable they're going to be when they come back on TV for the first time. Uh, like, oh, you missed us or some dumb shit like that. Like, oh, we've been here the whole time. We're like some stupid shit. And then being the elite is going to be like a thousand times more insufferable, <laughs> you know? Yeah, they're going to return like conquering heroes. Like uh-huh. that's the reaction that the the AEW, the typical AEW fans that that go to every show, you right. know, there's going to be like bowing and shit like that, you know, cuz they're going to be seen as they're the ones that won the feud with Phil. <laughs> it it took 3 of them. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. It took 3 of them to take out Punk who was afraid that like nice sweet dear school teacher, super lefty hangman page was going to shoot on him at the pay-per-view. <laughs> like that reminds me of like, I think we talked about it recently when everyone's like, Oh man, you know, this Effie versus disco Inferno match. Effie's going to shoot on disco Inferno, disco Inferno. Who's like a legit six foot four, probably weighs 260, 270 pounds of like old man muscle gut. <laughs> taking on known shoot pit fighter Effie, you know? 
You guys yeah. are all on your fucking minds. <laughs> oh, anyways. What anyway, you, you were talking about the Bucks being back and how it's going to ruin everything. With the Bucks <laughs> back, we're not going to get matches like we got on Dynamite this week with Swerve and Keith Lee taking on FTR. Boy, that match was fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's it's like stop the press as FTR has a great match. You know, stop the press as Swerve and Our Glory has a great match. It's like, all right, that's an easy fix. But like I said, we wouldn't have got that match if the Bucks were around. We would have got the Bucks thrown in. It would have been a three-way dance. That would have been that much better, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, if, if you, have, you have a peanut butter and jelly, and I'm like, here's more peanut butter, you'd like it, right? No. No. It's like, oh, here's a peanut butter and jelly, and then here's, like, a sponge <laughs> and, like, some, some knives and some dice. It's like, what the fuck are we doing, right? Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that was a great match. Like, obviously, I, I, and I've said this a bunch of times, I, I the fact that I, I, I can't speak for both of us, but I assume we're pretty much in agreement. The fact that when FTR comes out, I'm like, oh shit, I better stop and watch what's happening now because this is going to be a great match. I never thought that this would be the case like a year ago. And mm-hmm. it's not like, oh, they all of a sudden became good wrestlers because you know they've been very good for a while. But maybe it's just the appreciation kicked in about a year ago. Maybe it was when they got out of the pinnacle. It was when they stopped being such crybabies on social media. Well, see, I never followed them on social media, so that never really came into my purview. I don't follow them on social media either, but I got to fucking hear about it from everybody. See, that's your problem. You talk to people. <laughs> I talk to people. What do you want? <laughs> and you know what? Okay, so I'll I'll say this as we're defending the usefulness or whatever the, whatever you want with the Bucks, right? Uh-huh. So going into this match, I legitimately did not know who was going to win this match, right? It really could have gone either way. It could have been... FTR or it could have been uh, uh, Swerve and Keith Lee. If the Bucks are in this match, I'm like, oh, the Bucks are going to win because they don't lose. I think they've lost two times on TV in the three years that they've been on TV. Uh, well, I mean, obviously they 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 lost the tag titles to the Lucha Bros in that, that steel cage match. They lost on a pay-per-view. The, oh, so your pay-per-views don't count as a lot? Oh, because you're no. saying TV, TV? TV. Okay. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they lost a private party like three years ago. Right. <laughs> uh, that might be it. <laughs> no, I think there was one other one that's escaping me right now that they lost. Um, it might have been like a multi-man, like where it was like the elite at full force taking on like the Dark Order or some nonsense, you know? I'm surprised they would have lost that then. Right. So, like I said, that's literally the only two times that they've lost matches on TV in three years. So, they kind of take a lot of mystery out of what happens in professional wrestling just because they don't typically lose. And I don't think that they're, like, they're over enough, I guess, but they're not John Moxley over. They're yeah. not Brian Danielson over. They're not Kenny Omega over, you know? And Kenny's lost more times on TV than they have. Yeah, and I feel like, uh, try to take all bias aside. Like I feel like the Bucks are a tag team that you can have go out there every week and lose, and nobody would care. They'd still be just as over, you know, right. at least amongst the AEW fan base, because they're just these established guys that are seen as us. Like what is it? Like just a kind of a 
a, a regular of AEW for lack of better words. You know, like right. them losing doesn't mean anything, but they don't have to keep winning. Right. Omega, I feel like, is somebody whose aura is built around him being like the best in the world type of deal. So he kind of should win more matches than he loses. But the Bucks, who gives a shit? They're right. just flippy kicky dudes. Go out there and have a good match. Who cares if you lose? I'm I'm 100% in agreement with that. Yeah. All right. My turn? Yes. I'm going to stick with Dynamite. And this is, I, I kind of have a little bit of a question for you at the end of this, but uh, I want to just continue talking about MJF because I gave him his flowers last week for having two weeks of great promos. Uh, this week he had his bit with Renee Young where he kept on talking to Virginia, the state, as if it was a person. And he did his little Moxley impersonation and wasn't crazy about that. But during that promo, he basically told the firm, stay away from John Moxley, stay away from Penta. You know, whoever wins that, I want them at full strength. So during the match, obviously, Moxley you know, wins, retains the title. The firm comes out. They start laying the boots to Mox. A conflicted MJF comes out and makes the save. Wasn't crazy about that, but I didn't hate it. Like I get it. You're, you're putting over the firm as top heels, which I'm sure you're going to love. Uh, but here's my question for this. And we can, you can talk about your opinions on, on the whole firm and MJF thing in a second. But obviously, I'm a huge Ethan Page fan. You're a huge Ethan Page fan. Yes. You're you're a huge fan of Stokely. I said I like Stokely, but I'm not as Stokely-pilled as you or as some of the, the people in our listening audience. But what exactly, up until last night, you know, obviously that's attack on Moxley and the attack on MGF. A lot of people are going to say, okay, that elevated the firm as top heels. And we'll, we'll, that remains to be seen. Hopefully it does. But what exactly has the firm done for Ethan Page that American top team didn't? Because when he was one of two wrestlers with Scorpio Sky, I think that that was more of a prominent position than being one of five wrestlers. And in the firm, he's not the big guy. That's big Cass. He's not the high flyer. Um, he's not the like the talker because that's Stokely. Like he's in the group, and that's great. But like I feel like he was featured more prominently in American Top Team and the Men of the Year, whatever you want to call that grouping. And yeah, I know you hate Dan Lambert, so you'll immediately be like, "Well, there's no comparison because Dan Lambert's not as good as Stokely," and he's not. But from a showcasing of Ethan Page, I dare say that at least uh, tomorrow things could change. The firm could be the biggest heel stable in the last 20 years. But as of right now, I say that the American top team with like even with the rub of having some household UFC names at his side, like I feel like the firm has done him no favors. It's too early to tell. Sure. I mean, tomorrow a bunch could change, but he's been in the firm for a while and they haven't done anything with him. To take Dan Lambert out of the mix, Ethan Page was number two in that grouping only because, at best, number two in that grouping because Scorpio Sky was the TV champion for most of that time. Yes. So you would assume, who's the guy who's getting more from being in this arrangement? The guy who is the TV champion and gets to have matches on TV almost every week? Or the guy that stands next to him while he has matches on TV every week, right? Okay. Uh, Ethan Page is part of America's top team was like third or fourth person down in the multi-man match with 
Um, what the fuck was Jericho's group called before it was the Jericho Appreciation Society? Inner Circle. Inner Circle. Um, where it was like Lambert, Scorpio Sky, Ethan Page, um, and then two other random MMA guys that didn't sell and make everything look shitty. It was like like Ethan Page was the unsung person who had to keep like shit like that together from a technical standpoint, like as an agent as a match putter together type person. Whereas in the firm, like when the firm happened, I said, I'm like, Oh shit. Ethan page has to pay, like play like number two to the less good version of him in MJF. Mm -hmm. And now that they're separated from MJF, MJF was the vehicle to get them in. And obviously plans change with everything that happened with punk and the bucks and Kenny, as we've belabored the point here. And it took just a little while to kind of get the pieces together and they really haven't started to do anything with Ethan Page outside of, like, the last, like, two or three weeks. But he gets to close out the show laying out fucking their top guys in John Moxley and fucking MJF, right? Yeah, and I said, like, you obviously we don't know what's going to become of that main event angle. And coming out of that, yeah, that's a great spot to be in. But I'm talking about everything leading up to that. Everything leading up to that was in a holding pattern because they had to rebook their entire fucking next three months because everybody was fucking kicking doors in a dog's faces, you know? Allegedly. All right. I don't know, man. Like, I was just watching watching that stuff, and I was like, up until that point, that's the first time that I gave a half a crap about the firm. Well, I, their I, debut I like when they helped Stokely win, or they helped MJF win in the ladder match at the pay-per-view, right? Yeah, but that was more of a, oh my god, MJF is back. It wasn't about these guys that are with him. Right, but like I said, they had to reorganize a lot of stuff. I completely understand. Ethan Page is going to be in a better spot eventually, and if you look at the last like two or three weeks, he is. like He's not the second banana guy in the group like he was with Men of the Year. He's like top banana guy in the group, you know, next to Stokely. Mm, I don't know. I mean, in your your heart and in my heart, sure. But yeah. I don't know if he's presented as, like, the top guy in that stable. Okay. I mean... Is it the it, ass boys? It, it's it's probably Big Cass. So Big Cass is the muscle. <sighs> okay, but again, I just don't feel like they're showcasing Ethan Page as being a step above the rest of the guys in that group. And I think that they are. All right. We'll revisit this in, like, in a couple months, either Ethan Page is going to be a member of the most overheel, the most dominant heel faction, or the firm is going to get bungled again, and we'll reassess. Again. <laughs> the group is two months old. They're going to yep. get bungled again. Old news at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it's a quick news cycle. Oh, boy. It is It is typically a quick news cycle, but... It's like Wolf Cola. I got the timer here. I'm going to hit the button. We have 24 hours to change it. I got faith. Things are back on track. We're, you know, what, two weeks away from the pay-per-view, three weeks away from the pay-per-view, whatever it is. You know, everything just needs to get fixed up at the pay-per-view, and then we can head into 2023, you know? Yeah. All right, what did you think about I, I talked about at the beginning, the, the mocks, you know, the promo and tell them to have the firm, you know, not interfere. I thought it was good. I, I 
Um, you know, obviously everyone is saying like, oh, MJF needs to turn face, right? And like all face stuff. I didn't think uh, MJF's promo this week is, was good, was as good as the week before. Week before his promo was awesome, but all the MJF stuff as a whole on this week's show, him coming out to call off the firm, him kind of helping Mox to save him for the pay-per-view. Um, I really thought we were going to get like what we got with the punk thing where we get like the swerve of like, oh, MJF maybe is turning good. And then he ends up bloodying up punk on the go home show for the pay-per-view. Are we still probably going to see, uh, are we going to see MJF bloody up mocks the week before the pay-per-view? And the thing with the firm was all just a ruse, even though they beat the ever loving shit out of him. I don't know. And I like not knowing nothing. Like nothing makes me happier than not knowing what's going on with wrestling to guess to be up in the air and there to be multiple different ways that it can go. And they all make sense. Yeah. No, I got you. You're a huge yeah. MJF Mark. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> listen, four out of 10 times, you know, hall of fame numbers right there. Right. I listen, hall of fame numbers. Nobody, nobody hits, nobody in wrestling is 10 out of 10 every time. Danielson. Okay. Uh, Eddie, uh, orange Cassidy. But other than them, <laughs> Yeah, take no. Conti. <laughs> well, she hasn't had a match in quite some time, you know? Yeah. All right. She, she had a tag match. Her and Anna Jay took on some people on an episode of Rampage or it something. Was, it was Sky Blue and Madison Rain. It was match of the year, goddammit. Put some respect on that. All right. <laughs> Fair enough. I guess you know your business. <laughs> All right, enough of this. Let's get into some less old stuff, and we're going to talk about the homework I assigned from last week. Yeah, some more old stuff. Homework. Homework. It's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. Home, home, homework. Homework, it's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. All right. I assigned the Chikara movie event, The Ashes of Chikara, which you can watch on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium, and some supplementary supplementary material off of the YouTube uh, that was cultivated and put up there by friend of the show, Kevin Ford. Uh, who's very much of a helper with this, and he kind of helped me, uh, you know, fill in some of the stuff that I may have forgotten regarding what happens uh, with all of this. And, you know, if you didn't get a chance to watch this, then I completely understand why you may not have. You can head over to our friend Kevin's blog over at Mast Library where he uh, does, like, a recap of this movie, you know? Mm -hmm. All right, I I just want to say, first of all, thank you to my favorite independent wrestling commentator, Kevin Ford, for putting together that mix. Um, this entire show, I just want to say, and I do have a lot of notes and well, hopefully this doesn't take an hour. I'm going to try to go quickly. And then obviously you chime in and all the places you can. But my first note that I wrote down kind of, tw- well, not my first, but the one I wrote down towards the end was you ever heard the expression, this meeting could have been an email. Yes. This, this movie could have been like a couple short vignettes uh we'll get into it when we get into it but joe i'm gonna say that this was probably the least enjoyed thing you've ever assigned to me okay like and we'll we'll get there when we get there but i just this felt 
oh, this this overstayed its welcome by by three times. But okay. we'll get to it when we get to it. But I will so just start I, off. Go ahead. Well, okay. I, before you get into like the content of it, okay? Yeah. Let me address what you just said here, okay? All right. So this was a bunch of vignettes, okay? So this was released over the course of whatever the last Chikar show that we watched, whatever that happened in June, up until the National Pro Wrestling Day in February of 2014, right? So it was a bunch of vignettes that were released online. Now, some of them got reshot. Some of them got ancillary material put into them for this quote-unquote theatrical release. But it was a series of vignettes over the course of like eight months that were released online in a various degree of ways, right? And when we were getting to this point, as the people that know Chikara saw this signpost coming up, I postulated, because you had no idea what I was talking about, I said on the air, I'm like, do I have Adam watch Ashes? And I was just kind of saying to myself, and overwhelmingly, people reached out to me privately and publicly and said, yes, make Adam watch Ashes. My thought was, I wasn't going to have you watch Ashes because of the very reasons that you mentioned. Yeah, and I get that these were vignettes and they have that feeling, but what I'm getting at is every single story, like, I've, you know, different people had their own beats, you know, they all had their little missions. I feel like they all had, like, four uh, segments, you know, four or five segments, th- the f- three of which should have just been cut. You know, you could have accomplished what you accomplished in four segments or five segments with one, you know, if there was more concise. But, all right, we'll get to it. Um, like I said, I'm gonna not going to go beat by beat, but I just want to say, obviously, this is my first taste of the Chikara Cinematic Universe. And uh, right off the rip, during the credits, the musical score by Kenny Pickett, uh, future Steelers quarterback, so I enjoyed that. Um <laughs> But we have Quack at a coffee shop, just horrible acting overall. Uh, and I just want to say him, him saying, look at that, my coffee's gone cold. We're not admitted into this, and I almost passed out from my eyes rolling. Uh, like, and obviously they're talking about like, oh, hey, we're, we got to get shit back together. They're talking about the Condor shutdown of Chikara. Um, and that, that obviously is a recurring thing throughout the whole show. But we have Green Ant and Fire well, no. Ant. Oh, anytime, anytime that you mention a scene like this, I definitely have stuff that I have to add in. Okay? Alright, go for it, yeah. Uh, so, by a country mile, Quack is the worst actor in this whole production. Yeah. And it's not even close. So the other two people that are in this are Derek Sabato, Who's gonna hit you up for that? Um, what was it the 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 Eddie Kingston or the Brody Lee rookie card that he's also in? He's on the Eddie Kingston one. He's on the Eddie Kingston one. Uh, Derek is a good friend. Derek is the current rese- researcher for the Conrad Verse podcast, yep, and he's also the editor of the Wrestling Observer newsletter. Yeah. In storyline, though, he was a fired referee, just like Quack was fired from his position as a wrestler. And then did you recognize the third person at the table with them? Uh, I don't remember. I didn't write it in my notes. So Okay. Storyline, that was Dieter von Steigerwald, uh, who was the director of fun that ousted me. Okay. When Wink Vavasur comes in, Dieter lost his job. Dieter, you might know better as Hot Sauce Tracy Williams. Okay. 
Uh, I do know that is. This scene uh, is not the first time, and it won't be the last time during the course of this, that the way that this movie is shot is they do loving close-ups of people's bald spots. (laughs) Or balding spots, right? Yeah. Now, there was also a line where Quack says to Dieter, uh, there's an exchange where it's like, oh, something, something, make sure you take care of my brother for me. Okay? All right. And I'm like, what the fuck are they talking about? So I double check with Kevin. Again, bear in mind, this is a release in 2014. That angle of Dieter's brother and Mike taking care of him doesn't get paid off in Chikara's storylines for another three and a half years. And (sighs) And it's literally a throwaway line on commentary as the show is ending. As Silver Ant is taken out, he's he's injured by Frightmare, and then as the show is going off, Quack on commentary says, Dieter, I'm sorry, I've failed you. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Be prepared for more stories like that. Go ahead. Uh, I'm glad we haven't had too much of a, a, a pause in the discussion after the first scene of a 40-scene movie. <laughs> uh, Green Ant and Fire Ants go visit a guy in a wheelchair looking for soldier ants. Oh, who was in the wheelchair? I didn't catch it. So they don't ever say it, but it's you're supposed to know Chikara lore. And then as everything goes out, uh, the person in the wheelchair who we never see their face is the original worker ant, the original third member of the colony with fire ant, soldier ant, worker ant. Um, he storyline got injured after I think Icarus killed him with a pedigree off the apron to the floor. Um, but in reality, he left, he's one of, he was not, he was definitely the first and it wouldn't be the last person to quit Chikara and wrestling for the lucrative business of going into the army. <laughs> All right. Uh, we have Icarus, who's probably one of the biggest stars of this movie. And I use right. the movie in air quotes, uh, but you know, he's obviously one of the people that has a lot of interaction with a lot of different characters. He's trying to get backstage at a dragon gate show. Security stops him. You know, he name drops that he was a Jakar wrestler. The security guy says that Jakar doesn't exist anymore, man. So in the parking lot, he runs into Chuck Taylor. Chuck Taylor says to let it go. Lower your asking price. I can get you some bookings. Stop trying to make Chikara a thing. So, uh, yes, you know, as we were seeing toward the back half of the shows that we were watching where uh, Icarus was becoming more of a baby face, uh, he is the lead character of this movie. He is the lead character for the rest of the season of the stuff that we're going to watch with the return of Chikara. There was supposed to be like this big shocking thing when he does his reveal and he's gone back to his old blonde hair. Uh, but because this movie was shot in pieces over the course of eight months, there's a lot of scenes where Icarus has to have his hood up because his hair isn't dyed blonde anymore. <laughs> um, some are more noticeable than others. I did reach out to people and let's without giving away who I reached out to people involved with the making of this. Okay. Um, and they mentioned that the filming of the Icarus Chuck Taylor thing was one of the favorite things that they shot even though they had to film it a second time because the first time, which will be a running theme for most of the production of this movie, they forgot to record sound. <laughs> All right. Next up, oh, we have... De- oh, and and, and uh, Icarus has the great line where he says to either Chuck or to no one, he says, where does Gabe find his stooges at? And I thought that was a great line. All right. 
Uh, next up, we have Daddy Magic and Cool Hand Ange, which wishing they had done something to prevent the Condor takeover. Uh, I'm not sure, were they not at that show or they wrestled earlier and laughed? I've, I, they said something to that effect. Yes. But they are going to go on a search to try to find Archibald Pack because he's the guy who would know how to, to fix this, this situation. Does Archie know something? Okay, so they mentioned that Archie was there at the event okay yeah and i don't remember that he was or even if they had like a fake archie there to put things off i watched the footage that they showed of the shutdown angle at the beginning of the movie quote unquote and there's no footage of archie being there but during the course of the thing and Ar- god like archie's twitter account is like fucking like lost to the ages but he was tweeting stuff during the show that 3.0 are mentioning here that unless you were following Archibald Peck on Twitter in 2013, none of that makes any sense. Gotcha. It's good to see that this movie is accessible. Uh, <laughs> next, we have Icarus going to visit uh, Tim Donst, who works at like an antique furniture store. Uh, Donst is now very mellow and OCD, and he's taking meds with his salad. And, uh, you know, basically Donst gives Icarus the Young Lions Cup to give to Jakob and saying that he'd make a great champion. Uh, And, like, Donst is very much not like the last time we saw him on television. So this was supposed to lead to something bigger for Donst. But this, like, I'd mentioned last time when we talked about the match that he had with Gavin, how him and Quack were already butting heads in regards to the direction of the character. While the shutdown had happened, it was encouraged for people to go and get bookings in other places. Donst went and got bookings in CZW, which was persona non grata for Quack, for whatever reasons, right? He allowed some people to work CZW, but he got upset when Donst worked CZW. Also, Donst felt as though that scene in the movie, that vignette, was going to make people think that he was really a pillhead. <laughs> And he regretted doing it. And again, also, um, it was one of these things, the quote-unquote script that they were given to film things with. Uh, instead of the script, Daunt's cut about a 10 to 12 minute promo that they had to cut down to the salvageable one to two minutes we saw in the movie. All right. Uh, Icarus leaves and he's reading a letter that we find out is from Hollow Wicked. Uh, because uh, it, it took a while to get to the signature part at the end. And I guess... V- in like Chikara timeline, Hollow Wicked just did all like the the gibberish talk, yes. you know. So this is the first time you know you're seeing like something that was written from his voice. Um, and, and again, I would never say anything mean about Hollow Wicked. This is a pro Hollow Wicked show, and any kind of slander to the contrary, uh, I will not stand for. But uh, with that being said, Hollow Wicked has the handwriting of a serial killer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so Icarus goes to the Wrestle Factory, and the first thing that jumps out to me is there's a giant eye uh, training, like at ringside, and I don't know anything about the eye. He comes up later when he gets a murder done on him, but uh, I was fascinated by the eye. And Hollow Wicked is basically showing uh, Icarus that there's a bunch of gear still sitting in the back, and when Hollow Wicked's not looking, Icarus steals what I later found out to be Lightning Mike Quackabush's gear. Uh, and then he asks Hollowick, you know, will these new batch of trainees be ready when they're needed? So, um, 
I was going to make the joke that uh, Icarus should have stole more of Quack's gear to see how many <laughs> sniffs were in them and sell them online. Um, we're still in Chikara continuity, like two more years away from Hollow Wicked talking. And if you want to treat yourself uh, and do little extracurricular activities, uh, because Hollow Wicked spoke in gibberish for the first 10 plus years of his career, there's a wow. there's a program toward the back half of 2006 of him versus Eddie Kingston, where it's up to me to cut the promos against Eddie Kingston in the event centers. Oh, on Hollow Wicked's behalf. I need to see these. And if you want to see something like, and like, you know, me and Eddie were friendly then, you know, or, you know, obviously whatever. But if you want to see someone literally shitting their pants, <laughs> trying to keep up with 2006 Eddie Kingston promos as someone who had been in the business at that point for about uh, two years. Yeah. 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 I need to see these. Uh, somebody email me directly, DM me directly as soon as you hear this. Uh, so next up, 3.0 goes to talk to Barrister Evans, uh, talking yes. about where, uh, obviously, where is Archibald Pack? Uh, I believe some more recap of, like, the Backfist to the Future and the Loser Leaves Town stuff is recapped. And basically it said that Archibald Pack has to be in parts unknown. So 3.0 goes out to search for him. So you remember me mentioned a little while back that there was going to be a thing where, where while the where in the world is Archibald Peck thing was going on, that there was going to be a bit with uh, Kevin Sullivan and Archibald Peck and whatever, and it just never got filmed. That idea of Archie being in parts unknown was that, and that got put into here. Yeah, and at the risk of being very predictable. Uh, of a person, uh, I obviously the 3.0 and Archibald Pack stuff is my favorite stuff from this movie, uh, and I will say seconded only by the next scene, which is Icarus going to talk to Eddie Kingston, and uh, obviously Icarus is trying to get Eddie Kingston to join his side. Eddie says the past isn't going to pay my bills and put food on the table. And at the very end of it, you know, Eddie Kingston shows that he still has the Chikara Grand Championship. And Icarus is like, oh, you still have it? And he's like, no, I have her. So great Eddie Kingston stuff. Eddie Kingston looking like a million bucks, like a slender reed at that time. <laughs> uh, and it's a shame that, like, you know, whatever reason, you know, whatever happens, uh, he's not part of the finale of the movie, you know, when when the good guys turn the tide. Spoiler. Uh, but Eddie Kingston, nowhere to be seen on Team Chikara when we get there. So that kind of, you know, love seeing Eddie Kingston in there. But if we're not going to have him as part of the payoff, I don't know if it's necessary to have him as part of the setup. Um. OK, so Eddie is champion. Eddie can't choose a side really at this point. Um, obviously, Eddie is a huge part of whatever the storyline is um, going forward, and that's really all I could say about that. Um, yeah. I, it, being that I know what happens later, mm. this makes sense. Gotcha. All right. I'm just again. I I'm trying to treat it like a movie, right? You know. And uh, also uh, cameos during this scene. Um, you know, it's taking place in an actual Ring of Honor show at the. Uh, Philadelphia National Guard Armory. Uh, Bird, who is the current head of ring crew at AEW. We see him there. Uh, we also see uh, Joe Gacy, uh, current NXT superstar, and David Starr uh, as part of the ring crew. 
Uh, if Quack is the worst actor in this, Eddie is by far the best actor. I think followed only by Chuck Taylor because Chuck's really good in his one scene. Um, this feels very much like Eddie, except for one part during it. It felt as though it was a quack scripted line of something giving you the warm and fuzzies. Eddie Kingston would never say that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here's the thing. And again, I don't want to sound like I'm blowing smoke, but Eddie Kingston, his bits, it sounded like it was Eddie Kingston talking. Yeah. You know, 3.0, it sounded like it was 3.0 talking. But like you get, to, and obviously there's people like Ultramantis. He has the cadence of Ultramantis. Like it sounds like stuff that he would say. Uh, but then there's people that their delivery, it definitely feels like they're reading a script that they're not comfortable with. You know, it's yes. like this is not words that I would ever say. This is not like the cadence I would ever say or the timing I would ever use. Um, so whatever. But yeah, Eddie Kingston, it just felt like it was just an Eddie Kingston backstage that you see a hundred times, you know? Right. Anyways, uh, next up, we go to the worst bar ever, which is basically the size of this room I'm podcasting from. Uh, we have bartender Dan Yost, not Daniel Garcia, Mass Library. Come on. So now. close. So yeah, close. I mean, it's both Dan. So uh, Ultra Mantis is there. Green Ant and Fire Ant go to join them. They're asking about Soldier Ant some more. Uh, obviously, I'm not huge on all the ants and I, I i make this a point every time we review a chikara show uh not that i am confused but i don't care like i want mm -hmm. the over the overarching story of this movie that i i don't want to say i care about but i'm more invested in is like the rise of chikara coming back you know from the shutdown and i give less of a crap about Who's going to be the next worker ant? Yeah, but we'll get into that when we get into it. Um, so they're asking about soldier ants. Mantis and green ants are arguing over the trustworthiness of assailants. Uh, th this very clearly is someone's home bar. I forget whose home bar this was that they had in their basement. Uh, I did like the cute name for it was the Fujiwara arm bar. Yeah, <laughs> that's all. <laughs> All right, so Deviant and Colony Extreme Force show up at the Wrestle Factory. They want to burn it down, so they pour out a Dixie cup worth of gasoline in the middle of the ring. Uh, a sail ant won't go along with it. They kind of, uh, what, the, what was it, Jervis? They, they chloroform him to get him out of the ring, and... Like, that's it. I think there was, like, some, like, pushing and shoving, but, again, I don't give a shit. Uh, all this stuff sucked real bad. And it had uh, examples of some of the worst ADR I've ever seen in movies. And I've seen almost every movie that Mark Pirro has made. <laughs> uh, next up was, like, I, I would say this is a, a funny scene. Icarus goes to a, a very nice library, uh, a big city library, and starts talking to uh, somebody who you kind of get the initial impression that he works there, and you don't see the person from the front, and that person kind of no-sells him on, like, knowing him. And Icarus is like, you, you know, you don't think I know what you look like? You know, you don't think that I know what your face looks like? And uh, a few seconds later... Uh, somebody completely different shows up, and it's Ultra Mantis Black. Uh, Icarus tries to get Mantis to join. Uh, I, I don't know. This is kind of a mess at this point, but you have a little bit between Mantis and Icarus. Um. So I'll okay. So I'll say this: that actually was Mantis, and that <gasps> is at the library that Mantis works at. <gasps> it's a shoot, brother. 
Yes. All right. Parts Unknown has a library. That's nice to know. This uh, the, the the okay. So the reason this one looks so weird, this is yet another scene where they filmed it, everything went well, and then weeks later they found out that they didn't record any audio. So then they had to redo the whole thing again. Gotcha. So speaking of Parts Unknown, 3.0 is lost in the snowy wilderness looking for Parts Unknown uh, until eventually they come across a sign in the middle of a field that says, Welcome to Parts Unknown. And at this point, we have reached the 39 minute and 50 second mark, uh, which means we pause the movie and we go over to the YouTube playlist. Okay. Um, Yeah, so, um, so the YouTube playlist exists to show all of these different factions taking over all the other wrestling is promotions. Like you see Dr. Cube announced that he has the eye of tear, even though he doesn't have the eye of tear. Um, Cause it's not really Dr. Cube, but we'll get to that when we get to that. I don't want to spoil that till we get there. We see the Gekito people take over wrestling is intense. We see, um, Kazarni and his crew take over wrestling as art. We see the BDK reforming to take over wrestling as cool. We see them attempt to do it at wrestling as fun, but Icarus is there. We see them do it at wrestling as respect, and that's the first time that, like, we have defectors from Chikar, where Bacabella and the rest of the crew, like the Wrecking Crew people, join up with this invading force of people. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I have notes for each one of them, but I just want to talk about like. Oh, there's I don't one of them that I didn't mention. I'll I'll, I'll get to that because that's a little bit different. Yeah. Um, obviously, I, I've never seen any of these promotions. I've never. I've only heard of wrestling is fun. You know, so I've never seen uh, this kaiju or wrestling is intense or awesome or any of this stuff. So there's some things that jump out at me from all these. I just want to say the first one, which was I believe kaiju, if I'm saying yeah. that right. Uh, what the actual fuck? Like, <laughs> this is like Godzilla characters destroying a city in a ring. Like, I, I am at the same time flabbergasted and intrigued by this, like simultaneously. So, uh, I was like, all right, uh, I, I might, I might watch more of that on my own. Um, but that is pretty much where the interest stops in any of these shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, wrestling is fun. Is obviously at least from the footage that I see on this playlist, the closest ones to like an actual wrestling show with fans, uh, you know, cause the first one is Dasher versus Mr. Touchdown. We have Weber, uh, Hatfield joining them in the ring and then some big dude. Uh, I don't know who that is, right. but he joins the family. Okay. Uh, so let's, uh, let's touch on that since you brought that up. Okay. Yeah. Cause I kind of want, I have a little bits for each one of them. So um, the other Hatfield characters are other members of these things that were called, like, uh, Supper with the Hatfields, where it was, like, a whole thing of, like, you would be at Datcher's house and you would see all the different members of the Datcher family. And, like, this is where, like, characters like Juan Francisco de Coronado get introduced. This was, like, the early appearance of Weber, who would later become Boomer, who would, you know, so on and so forth. Then there's, like, a bit where, like, he's more into soccer than baseball. Like, all these, like, just little things to fill in the time in between. And the story kind of rolls into what's going on here in wrestling is fun. I think the big guy was, like, an uncle who was also a former wrestler, but he was supposed to be, like, a knockoff, like, Ultimate Warrior type guy. But, again, I didn't even dive into all of that shit, right? Gotcha. So this happens with Dasher and Touchdown getting together because all of these wrestling is is I think I'd mentioned it before. The idea was that when Jakar gets shut down, 
all of your favorite Chikara people all get splintered off into all these other different promotions, right? Mm-hmm. And you won't see your favorite teams together until Chikara comes back together. The idea was that it was supposed to be Dasher and Sugar Dunkerton coming back together. Sugar Dunkerton was in Wrestling Is Art, let's say, okay? So after no-showing two shows in a row for Wrestling Is Art, one time with notice, the other time without notice, Quack just essentially said, fuck it, we're done with Sugar, he's out, we need to kind of shoot our shot and figure out who we're going to put back in that spot. We could quickly throw something together at the Wrestling Is Fun event this weekend to quick early turn touchdown face so that we have that person for Dasher to be with. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, just the only thing I have for wrestling is intense is this is like you have the Gekido coming out and attacking Crabtree and Cotton Belly and there was refs and uh, announcers taking bumps and everything. There was more people in the ring for that angle than there were in the crowd watching the show. Uh, so wrestling is intense was shut down, which, you know, to an outsider is a, is a mercy killing based on the, the draw for that show. Um, Next is wrestling is awesome, and if you thought the first show or the last show I talked about had a capacity crowd, wait until you see this one. Um, but they introduce here, and again, I don't know who's underneath these masks. I'm seeing these things for the first time, and I can't be held responsible if whoever I say I like turns out to be a horrible person. But I fucking love the Doctor Cube character. <laughs> like I pop for that every time you saw him. Right. Uh, so that is just a cool villain, and it's like absurdity um but him and his monsters come out and attack 3.0 uh they start destroying like the banners they they cut up the wrestling is awesome banner and they steal the giant's envelope full of the that night's gate so they possibly walked away with upwards of 40 bucks uh they also took the belt that the random promoter said he has all of his money in that and like the gate so okay i need to stop you right there all right so um a couple of these were promotions that existed that were kind of like on the fringes of independent wrestling, and they were sold a bill of goods by Quack that <gasps> by being affiliated with whatever this was going to be was help going to boost their attendance, where for the most part it did not. Um, wrestling is intense is one of them. Wrestling is awesome is one of them. Um, wrestling is art. Wrestling is cool. Wrestling is fun or holy created from whatever kaiju still runs today uh there's another one that doesn't get mentioned in the course of the movie even though it's the main event of the wrestling or the national pro wrestling day show of heidi lovelace taking on joe Pittman for the young lions cup which is wrestling as heart and i'll i i got tipped off that maybe there might be a voicemail or two about that a little bit later on right yeah um but the belt that they stole okay so around this time, a bunch of the Chikara guys got booked on a show somewhere, okay? And it was some money mark guy, it was some something, okay? And they get to the show, and like it turns out the guy has no money to pay the boys. Uh, when a bunch of the people show up, the promoter just leaves. And one of the things that the promoter left there was the fancy belt that he had made up for his promotion. Okay. So the Chikara guys, as collateral, took that belt, and that belt that they took from that promotion was the belt that was the wrestling is awesome belt that Dr. Cube took. Okay. Okay. 
I like that. Uh, you mentioned wrestling as art. As you said, they had Cole Cabana and Drew Gulak wrestling to uh, a draw. Both of their shoulders were down. They wanted five more minutes. Uh, but another authority figure comes out. This one is Kazarni. I later learned a clown. Uh, and again, I've heard of that name before. Never seen him before. Uh I thought him with the mask looked awesome because when he talked, the the mouth kind of moved. And I was Mm -hmm. like, that's pretty sweet. And then he takes it off and he's actually like got a good look to him. And so it's like one of the few of these like indie bad guys that I've never seen before that I was like, okay, this is a great look. Again, know nothing about the guy or the wrestler taking it as a first look. Uh, I was impressed. But he shuts down. I just want to say shuts down wrestling his art and they take apart the ring. Okay. Uh, Kazarni is AKA Sin Bodhi. Uh, he was Sin from the New Church in the original, like, TNA run. He l- had a literal cup of coffee in the World Wrestling Entertainment as Kazarni, where they filmed his vignettes at the Bloomsburg Fair. And I think he had one TV match on SmackDown before they let him go. Um, he's a Florida, I, I think he's Las Vegas based these days. He just recently did like a guest stint at the performance center, but more importantly, if you go check out his social media, he makes really awesome custom LJNs. Okay. I thought you were going to say like makes really awful, like racist takes. And I was going to be no. like, oh man, why did I say this shit about him? <laughs> no, uh, go check out his really cool, uh, custom LJNs that he makes on his social media. Awesome. But yeah, like, I, again, I'm just taking, like, these things as I've never seen these people before. This is the yes. first time I'm seeing it. Like, I love Dr. Cube. I like Kazarni, you know? Uh, but here's somebody I didn't like, and this is during wrestling is cool. Fire Ant and Green Ant. Looks like they just had some kind of match, uh, whether it was against each other or, or somebody else, whatever. But out comes another authority figure, and this is, like, if Valter and Corporate Kane had a baby... Uh, and that's this guy, and he's just barely does barely avoids doing a zig aisle in the ring, uh, and he ends up joining uh, a stable of sharp dressed white suit guys, who I later found out thanks to Kevin is the BDK. I didn't know that. Okay, so this show was one of these things that had to take place on the calendar so that the storyline could be told in the way that Quack wanted it to. These shows, the Wrestling is Cool shows, were being held in, like, a warehouse that was the original H2O, whatever Matt Tremont's promotion is, right? Okay. When they lost that building and were in between buildings, Quack still needed to run this show to have this storyline beat take place. He then rented out an art space in downtown Philly and ran the show there during a snowstorm. The same day as an Eagles game, like an Eagles playoff game, (laughs) uh, which just adds to the non-attendance, 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 but uh, helping unload the ring in a snowstorm is when I slipped and fucked up my knee for the third time in my life. Third time's the charm. Third time's the charm. (laughs) I had to go get, like, things drained out of my knee. Uh, I had to, like, wear a brace on my knee for two months because, you know, I was a company guy and I was... Helping set up the ring in a snowstorm. Well, I'm sure Quack padded the lobe to make it up to you. Oh, sure, sure. There was, like, <laughs> sponges in that, too. That's the only padding uh, wrestle- lobe he ever did. Anyway. <laughs> Wrestling is fun. Uh, the Gekido try to invade. Uh, and uh, the kind of held back by Icarus, Dasher, and a bunch of Chikara regulars. Yeah. And that leads into Wrestling is Respect. We have Dr. Cube coming out again. 
And it looks like he's going to be driven away by uh, Chikara alumni again. But this is where, as you mentioned before, Sidney Bacabella, uh, ever the opportunist, and Devastation Corporation turn on Chikara and join the invaders. The Wrestling is Respect was a Ring of Honor student promotion that kind of just became defunct. And it was a name that still existed out there. Um, and then it was picked back up under the guise, um, you know, a lot of like Ring of Honor trainees would do these shows mm-hmm. in addition to Chikara people. Gotcha. That's all. All right. So back to the movie. Yeah. Uh, Icarus visits Mike Quackenbush at his house to gain his support. And obviously Quack is, a, is like a doddering old man with his cane and he's sitting and watching old Gorilla Monsoon WWF footage. Uh, but like, obviously he's still hesitant to join the cause cause he's all washed up and whatever. Right. Uh, green ants doesn't want to become worker ants. Uh, it's at this point that I was finally, I don't know if this was ever explained to me, but it's acknowledged. Like, I didn't know that. All right. Green ant is green ant because he's green. Like he's green in the ring. Yeah. And, like, if when you stop being green in the ring, you become another ant. And if you're, like, really good, you become worker ants. I didn't know that. You know, it makes sense. Right. But I didn't know that that was something that was that was done. You know, because yeah. obviously I know that multiple people, you know, shoot here. Uh, multiple people play some of these ants. But I didn't know it was acknowledged that they kind of switched from one ant to another. Yes. Gotcha. Again, I'm learning stuff. Um, Icarus gains the support of Green Ant and Fire Ant. Uh, I don't have any notes about that. At this point, I'm kind of losing steam on my notes, just so you know. Mm -hmm. So stop me to fill anything in. Um, 3.0 finally discovers Archibald Peck's uh, home, his bunker, uh, in Parts Unknown. And Archie has like a Rip Hunter type board. You know, of all these things that are happening in the timeline or things that might come in the future. Uh, I, it was interesting. I was I paused it and I'm trying to read like I didn't make heads or tails out of half of them. But the problem for me is I don't know if are these things that have happened already that I just don't know. Or are some of them things that might happen in the future uh, or just a mixture of both? Um, yes and no. Uh, obviously, very much Rip Hunter. That was Archie's idea. He is a big DC Comics guy. Alright, cool. Um, you know, obviously, you know, we'll get to it when we get to it, like the time travel stuff, the one point twenty one gigawatts. There's a line on there of who is the Titan of Titor, which is uh, something that will be paid off in the future. And then there was another thing that was written on the board. So Adam, uh so we're gonna put these things together. Um, we have wrestling is cool. Okay. Uh-huh. Wrestling is heart. Wrestling okay. is intense. Kaiju, wrestling is art, wrestling is respect, wrestling is awesome, and at the end of wrestling is fun is an exclamation point. What does that spell? Chikara. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> gotcha. Um, during 3.0's meeting with Archie, uh, he, Archie talks about how the Condor takeover at that last Chikara show is a fixed point in time that Archie can't change with the future isn't set. So I do like the Doctor Who type uh, time travel rules there. Uh, he also mentions that time moves differently in Parts Unknown. For example, uh, this hour and 15 minute long movie feels like it took seven hours. So it's possible. <laughs> 
possible I was watching it in Parts Unknown. Uh, but again, uh, this ends with them looking at the uh, the bootleg flux capacitor. And in my mind, I knew exactly how this should end. And mm-hmm. I'm happy to say it was paid off. But yes. like it was right there. I was like, if I don't see a fucking DeLorean by the end of this movie, I'm going to be mad. So uh, we'll get into that when we get into it. But again, the 3.0... And Archie stuff, I may be biased, but it's my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. So um, obviously the the Archie stuff, and then the payoff to the Archie stuff in this. Uh, this was real. I'm like, I got to make sure Adam sees this. Yeah. You know, and like that was the only real selling point for me. Like, okay, Adam has to watch Ashes just to see this. You know. <laughs> yeah. The only thing is, and obviously. The, the general theme of this, other than Bacabella and Devastation Corp, because they're traitors, but like all of the Rudos and Technicos of Chikara are all basically on Team Chikara. You know, so you don't necessarily have uh, bad guys being bad guys. But the, when we last saw Archibald Peck, he kind of was showing glimmers of going towards the dark side. So I hope that whatever happens in the future, maybe we'll see more of that. I don't want an answer, but it's just one of those things where that intrigued me when we last saw him. And while I enjoyed his role in Ashes, uh, I hope it's just not a return to status quo. So that being said, don't answer me one way or another. I'm just giving my thoughts. All right. Um, Next, we have a, a typical Philadelphia training montage. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Then so I'll stop you there. My favorite part of the training montage is that so much of the training montage was centered around and focused on Ophidian, who plays absolutely no part in any of the stuff that takes place in this. I'm going to say, if you look at one of the names of the editors of the thing, it might be Ophidian's shoot name. So <laughs> I think he got final cut on how much of his shit ended up in the movie. Ah, all right. Then the editor needs an editor. Ah. Uh, uh, Next, we have National Pro Wrestling Day. Um, we get some footage. We get a we get a very very like young boar wrestling in the ring there. Uh, right at the time, he wasn't even he was barely eight feet tall, let alone nine feet tall. So he hadn't hit his growth spurt yet. And we have Leonard F. Carson on commentary. And I am really 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 sad that we did not get a terribly acted wooden. Uh, LFC bit on this this movie. You know, I would have loved to have seen. Uh, I was about to say you, but that person do a dramatic reading of Quack's words. I think. That um, let's just say I was not factored into a lot of this. I was maybe. And again, another thing: if you look at the credits of the people who are involved in the movie, um, I'm the only person whose name is not in the credits. Not of a bitch. Um, which is fine. Um. I don't think there was a part for me in this, and I think if there was a part for me, I probably would have turned it down. Oh, man. You would have been able to walk the red carpet during the big release. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so at wrestling or National Pro Wrestling Day, we have a match between a very young Heidi Loveless and Joe Pittman. The invaders finally show up. Um, Eyeball Man, who was supposed to be uh, uh, doing Lookout. Ironically, Eyeball Man is a terrible Lookout. Uh, Private Eye Jr. Private Eye Jr. All right, I like Eyeball Man better. Um, And then he gets his fucking neck snapped. Uh, So there is yet another gruesome murder in Chikara. Um, But yeah, so the invaders are there. And they've stormed the ring. 
And uh, one of the guys in like an old timey doctor's mask, I guess Marty Skrulls <laughs> before Marty Skrulls gimmick. Uh, I forget what the fuck's his name, Jimmy Jacobs. And Jimmy Jacobs. Uh, Kevin made a good point. It was like, it was this supposed to be a big reveal? Because again, I don't know my Chikara timelines. Was him being part of the invading faction like a, a, a big oh my god thing, or is it just like oh whatever? Uh, I think it's because so okay, storyline wise, no. Um, I don't think there was ever a definitive payoff as to why it was Jimmy Jacobs. Um, Jimmy Jacobs is and was a big name on the indies at the time. Um, So it was kind of a coup to get him involved. And I think he kind of saw Quack's vision with all of this and wanted to be part of it. Somebody did. (laughs) Yeah. And I will say this. So this show, this National Pro Wrestling Day, was part of a rare triple shot weekend for me where I'd driven out to Ohio to do night one to night two of uh, AIW JT Lightning Invitational Tournament. And the way home, it was me, Mantis, Jimmy Jacobs, and Eddie Kingston in the car. And this is when me and Jimmy Jacobs became friends. Oh, there you go. Good <laughs> show. Friends with everybody, Joe. He, he, he and I, uh, the two of us split most of the driving uh, back from that. And we kept each other awake, just kind of like shooting the shit and everything. And uh, prior to this, Jimmy Jacobs was definitely one of those guys that you really couldn't get a read on was very cold to a lot of people uh, at this point. Like I'm in, I'm doing stuff and wrestling for like eight years at this point, And he uh-huh. still saw me as a bit of an outsider. Um, but it was this car ride home that we kind of like became friendly. Gotcha. So Team Chikara shows up, but it's only like eight of them. You know, there's way more invaders in the ring. Uh, but apparently some Team Chikara people are disguised as members of the Gekido. Uh, they unmask. It's like the Batiri, Ultramantis Black, Dasher. A bunch of people like that are already at ringside, and it evens the odds. So there's this big brawl. And then a big set of doors opens up on the side of the arena. There's like a fog machine set up and 3.0 and Archie show up in a DeLorean. And, you know, Team Shakara ends up basically uh, pushing back all the invaders. And Icarus holds up a sign that says Shakara is coming back with the dates. Uh, and, you know, there's more, but I'll let you react to that. Uh, a lot of money was spent to rent that custom whatever DeLorean for the thing, you know. Uh, okay. uh, literally to have it towed to the Easton Funplex and have it drive that little bit up the driveway into the building, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. And I'm and so when th- that, ha- I didn't know that was going to happen. I, I was kept, I was intentionally kept in the dark about how stuff was going to play out for the, the show closing angle so that, like, my reaction would be genuine. But when I saw the DeLorean pull up and I saw Archie and 3.0 get out of it on the like, not the movie version, but the show version of National Pro Wrestling Day, like, you just hear me marking out like crazy. Like, it's not <laughs> me acting, but it's, like, me, like, just going nuts because, like, these three dudes are showing up, and it's, like, this cool moment, and I just get caught up into it, and it's, like, a genuine fan reaction, you know? Yeah. And like I said, there there are things during this movie and during the supplemental material that I didn't hate, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things I hated and bored to tears by, but there were things I'm like, okay, I didn't hate that. You know, like the Eddie Kingston bit and like the 3.0 in parts unknown thing. But that DeLorean thing was the first thing that I legit popped for. You know, yeah. where I was like, okay, that's fucking awesome. Uh, so we go back to the world's worst bar. Uh, Crossbones is the bartender. Green Ant and Fire Ant go in. They're, I love how they're like, have you seen a sale ant? 
Like, oh, I don't know. Where in this giant bar could he possibly be? <laughs> oh, he's right there a foot away from you. Uh, so they go over to a sail ant, or more specifically, green ant does. Uh, just kind of talks to a sail ant about, you know, you were there for us. Like, obviously, a lot of people doubted your allegiance, but you've always uh, had our backs in the colony. And, you know, a sail ant talks about, the reason why he did it is because he had a, he had a baby. Uh, he became a father. He shows the picture on his phone, and you know Green Ant's like, "All right, cool." He gets up to leave, and assailants, wait, you left this box here, and he's like, "No, that's for you." And it's the worker ant gear. So assailant is fully uh, turning babyface, or at least solidifying his position amongst the babyfaces by giving up the assailant moniker and becoming worker ants. And we go to credits, and there's more after that, but I'll give you a second. Yeah, like I said, the, the B story of this, of the whole stuff with the colony and the redemption of Assailant into Worker Ant, um, I guess Quack had bigger plans for however this was all supposed to play out uh, regarding this. And again, I don't give a shit at this point. Nelson's a good dude, but he just didn't have the chops in the ring to kind of like be in that like high-end babyface position, if that makes any sense. Gotcha. And that's that's a sale ant slash worker ant, right? Correct. Okay, gotcha. All right, so the movie ends, and thunderous applause that the movie's over. Uh, but for whatever reason, I thought to myself, I better make sure there's not something at the end of the credits. And when I said that to myself, uh, first of all, nobody stooged off, hey, Adam, make sure you go to the end of the credits. And I did not think that there would be anything there, but I was like, I better make sure. And wouldn't you know it, there was a post credit scene. We have two members of Condor security, one of which uh, nearly nine feet tall. Uh, and they have a body thrown over their shoulder in a bag. It's, the body's alive. It's struggling. And there's like an old guy, and he's like, get rid of him. And you hear from the bag, he goes, dad? And it's Wink Vavasaur. So, like, Wink Vavasaur's dad is, is getting rid of him and presumably is coming back to continue to be a problem for Chikara. Um, yeah, so Wink Vavasur definitely in that bag. Definitely not a student, and definitely not Bryce ADRing in the line. <laughs> I got, I knew what they meant, though. You know, that's the the magic of movie making, Joe. And apparently whatever bag they threw him in didn't work, because I saw Wink Vavasur at Bash of the Brewery, and we were talking for a while, so. <laughs> Alright, nice. But, uh, yeah, so... I, like I said, overall, as a whole, I hated this. <laughs> right. I was miserable for the most part while watching it. But while I'm recapping it, the few things that I enjoyed, I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed the Archie 3.0 stuff. I Believe it or not, I really enjoyed some of the corniness to the Wrestling Is shows and, like, Dr. Cube and Kazarni and, like, the fact that, of course, Sidney Bacabella would turn on Chikara. Like, I liked a lot of the supplemental stuff, but it was just – and I don't even blame the wrestlers because they're fucking wrestlers. They're not – necessarily actors and i get that there's overlap on it but when you get put like a bad script in front of you and you're told go act this like how much can you possibly be expected to do 
But there's parts of this movie where the acting and the dialogue is so bad, especially from the guy that's writing it. <laughs> like yeah. he's the worst right the actor out of all of it. There are points in this that are just so bad that I'm like, this is up there amongst the worst homework assignments ever. But like I said, as I talk about it and kind of hear some of the stories about it, I have softened on it over the past hour and a half that we've just talked about it. Again, we've only talked about it for 50 minutes, but I get you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. All right. I didn't know if you had any final thoughts or anything like that. No, I think that's everything. All right, Joe. I'm not giving this much thought. Your homework for next week because it's still on the piece of paper from when DeWiki was the guest host of the show. It is the Nightmare Family Showcase Episode 6. God damn it. (laughs) Hey, I mean, it's only a matter of time before they stop doing these shows, because Cody's gone. You know, so maybe they won't do them anymore. No, the future ones will be under the watchful eye of just QT Marshall. Excellent. All right. But yes, that is your homework. Nightmare Factory Showcase, Episode 6, available on YouTube. I'm sure it's great. I'm sure it won't at all be main evented by the same guy that's main evented all the other ones. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's get in some voicemails, huh? Yeah, let's do it. Hey, Joe. Hey, Adam. It's Tom Green. Um, Normally I call and I'm like, oh, haha, I try to be a funny boy. Um, I'm not going to joke around this time. I actually want to talk about this whole um, Fight Plus IWTV situation. For those of you who don't know, um, if it hasn't come out already, it will soon. A bunch of promotions, um, including GCW and I believe Black Level Pros going over there, AIW's already gone, um, are leaving IWTV and GCW's case, they didn't leave IWTV, but they're the ones bringing everybody over, from what it sounds like, over to a monthly uh, $5 a month service with Fight. Uh, that's very similar to what IWTV does right now. Um, it's kind of a bummer, not because necessarily I'm on anyone's side, um, per se, um, but it, because it's, it puts up another paywall uh, that blocks off people from... You know, not necessarily discovering independent wrestling, but staying engaged with it. Um, like you have IWTV already, you got high spots. Um, now you got Fight Plus. I'm sure there are other services out there. Um, I don't know. I just, I feel like, a, I feel like in the short term, everyone's going to get a kick in the ass because everyone's going to be real motivated to outdo all the other services. And in the long term, it's, it's creating division among these groups. Pretty soon, I'm sure it'll be like, oh, well, you work for so-and-so. They're on this service. You can't be on our service. It's not happening right now. I assure you it will happen because independent wrestling. That's how it works. It's real stupid. Um, As well, you got, you know, situations where, like, everybody's jumping to Fight Plus because the, uh, the percentage being paid out is allegedly a lot higher than IWTV, which is a one reason why uh, I feel like IWTV's bad decisions and because of this, um, I could go into those, whether it be the, you know, the bad payouts or, you know, programming streams against each other live. Like that, that was not very well thought out. Um, nonetheless, um, uh, the, the payouts for Pipe Plus, I just, there's five bucks a month and all these groups are going to jump over 
it's not going to sustain. These groups are going to be jumping back and forth, creating confusion in the marketplace. It's just a big mess. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to verbally voice my concern. I tweeted it the other night, and I think a couple, a couple people got mad on me, got mad at me on both sides. Uh, but, yeah, I just wanted to bring it up here. Um, I'd love to hear your side, Joe. Adam, I'm sure you're just like, hey, whatever, cool, because you, with none of them uh, provide service to Alexa Bliss's butthole. So, so Tom did tweet out earlier that our phone did cut him off, and it is a fail safe in the phone system that if you say those words together, it does automatically cut you off. <laughs> Alexa Bliss's butthole gets your phone call shut off. That's right. Our- even though he doesn't care about my opinion, I'm going to give a real quick uninformed take on this because I know nothing about nothing. I'm not in any you know, DMs with any of the pertinent parties. I can only speak about myself as a fan. Uh, obviously, I am a subscriber to Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. I'm going to continue being a subscriber to Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. But I will say that 99.99999% of the reason I use IWTV was for AIW. Right. And now for me, the only reason I would watch IWTV is if somebody assigns Chikara homework, you know, you go and I use it for that. Um, and I, I have been meaning to check out some of the, the flying V fight shows, but you know, they're on my watch list. You know, I get to them when I get to them. But with that being said, you know, the occasional, the like the life of documentary, you know, if it's somebody that I'm interested in, but I'm not watching any other wrestling, especially not live wrestling or recent wrestling on Jerry's Internet Wrestling now that AIW has gone. And on the flip side, I have not yet subscribed to fight. I'm sure I eventually will when AIW has like the big can't miss show. Maybe it's going to be hell on earth. I don't know. But the the fact that my my home streaming service if that makes sense you know the one i've worked for in the past no longer has one of my favorite indies on it as a fan that sucks am i going to end up buying both services yeah eventually but i'm not happy about it and again mm-hmm. i don't have a horse in the race i'm not friends with jerry i'm not friends with john thorne anything like that but just as a fan i don't like it but i get as a business standpoint you got to do what you got to do so i'm not mad at anybody i'm just kind of like eh, it's not ideal uh, i could do 40 minutes on this <laughs> you can get five okay i'm i am friends with john thorne i am friends with jerry who was at the lvac show i'm i am friends with uh mike burns i am friends with adam lash all the very vocal people, whether it be publicly or privately, regarding everything that's going on here. Okay, um, and I, full transparency, I have IWTV, but I have a free subscription that Jerry gave me. You know, yep. Uh, so I don't pay for it. But the the flip side of that is whatever the deal is that people have with IWTV, we're like it's literally pennies per hour watched of the show, right? And the number of people that you have watching for X amount of hours pennies like when i say pennies like it's not 10 cents an hour okay it's less than that um but because i have a free subscription it's not a paid subscription nothing i watch goes to the promotions okay yeah so that's why you know we've always pushed iwtv here um i knew about thorn going to fight 
Plus or Fight TV before Fight Plus was announced. Um, and it's late in the show, right? I can say whatever the fuck I want at this point, right? Absolutely. Yeah, we're past we're past 11. So there's rumors that Brett Lauderdale from GCW, uh, who have been with Fight for a while, is getting a finder's fee for referring promotions to Fight TV, right? Okay. Um, there's also rumor that Fight TV or Fight Plus might be included with your Amazon Prime subscription in the first quarter of 2023. Oh. So these are all determining factors that I haven't pulled the trigger yet on signing up for Fight because it's only $5 a month. I want, like, essentially $5 a month is paying for me watching an AIW show. But, like, tonight there's an AIW show that's on right now as we're recording, okay? Yeah, the Halloween show. Right, so I can't watch it because I'm doing a podcast. And um, it gives you access to their archives, and it gives you a bunch of other stuff. And I don't know what the per-hour payout is, but I do know that a lot of these guys are getting a certain amount of money up front. And if I really wanted to, I could dig through my you know messages and stuff and find out what it was from when Thor told me what it was. But they're getting like an upfront number, and it's a much better than the let's just say randomly seven cents per hour watch that they get from IWTV. Okay. Um, and then IWTV handled, especially AIW's leaving poorly, essentially telling them that we're choosing circle six over you. And then here we are not even a month later and circle six is on fight plus as well. Um, and their stuff isn't streaming live on IWTV, but it's going up after the fact. And when Thorne made the decision, Mike Burns essentially uh, told him, you'll be back. This deal sucks for you guys, right? And that's Mike Burns' way that he handled everything. That's him saying that to Brett is what prompted Brett to run the shitty Hammerstein show for GCW earlier this year. Um. The splintering of all this, and I and I told Thorne when they were when he was up in the air. Um, if anything, if he's looking to charge for streaming his stuff, he should put it up on the AIW Patreon. Okay. He's already got a built in fan base there. It's rewarding those people that have been patrons for a long time. Um, and it'll be a way to get people to sign up for the Patreon and you keep more of that money. You know, after taxes and fees, I think you get like 80, depending on like if it's a business account or a personal account, you get like 83 to 78% of whatever you bring in on the Patreon after taxes and fees, right? Uh, So that's more than, you know, the seven cents an hour per person, whatever that you get from IWTV. I'd also told him, and he did at first, while the Fight TV thing was working itself out. I go, just stream it on Facebook. Just stream it on YouTube. Monetize it some way through there. Get ads, however it is that you can, because I know people do it, or put it up on Twitch. Something that you control that you're not beholden to this third-party thing to be run whatever it is like with Fight, okay? Yeah. And Tom brings up a good point. I think the beginning of the end for independent wrestling TV is like, they love announcing like, hey, man, we have 15 shows taking place from Thursday to Sunday, right? But there's three that are taking place at the same time. Two of them are people that you never heard of, and you're never going to hear from them because the number one show is the one that we're pushing over the other two. And one of those three shows are coming from a building that we don't even know if the internet works. We're going to fumble fuck around for the first hour, and then we're just going to put it up on video on demand afterwards anyway. And then 
IWTV charges you, the independent promotion, one fee if they're putting it up on your site versus one if they're streaming it live, which is why a lot of companies like Flying V don't do live streams because it costs them more to do it. So it's a poor business model all around. It's something, sadly, that has not evolved in the way other than Burns' ideal of getting more and more deathmatch-type promotions on the on the thing. But when you have 15 deathmatch promotions, how many deathmatch... And you have 15 deathmatch promotions, and every weekend they're running two to three shows head-to-head with each other. How much exposure are they getting and you getting and so forth? Yeah. No, I know it... I agree with everything you said. Like it's, it, it's weird and it's, it's shitty, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But get your bag however you can get it. You know, I don't fault yeah. AIW for leaving, but I do feel like I'm watching less AIW now because of yeah. It, you know? Well, I will say this: they've only done two shows: the show today, and then the show last month, and things have just been kind of quiet because after that show, uh, Thorn's cat passed away, and like yeah, you know, he took it hard, you know. You lose an animal, it hits you. Absolutely. All right, next call. Hey, Joe, Adam, your sepia button holder, Big Sue here. Yeah, the homework. I've got a lot of big feelings about that. And since I don't want to make this an all heat, no heater segment, um, I'll try to do the abridged version. First note, wrestling is heart. I was a member of that roster, one of the myriad of wrestling as promotions that came from the ashes of Chikara. So, at no time did I personally ever know that this was some Chikara storyline slash reboot thing. And it kind of wrecked, like, momentum that we had going for our schools, uh, the School of Rock's um, class wars. So... Yeah, I, I kind of have some hard feelings about that, but I'll let that go. Secondly, I was there for the Wrestling is Intense shutdown. And after watching all those videos, it's it's kind of good to know that all of them came off just about as awkward as that one did. I was a big Chikara fan, and I was sad to see it go, and then... The storyline just got convoluted, and I kind of lost that love for a little bit. I mean, it came back for a while, near the shutdown. But, yeah, this this whole thing is just, just something else. But, um, I hope you all have a fantastic week. I'll talk to you again sometime soon. And, regards fantastic call quality from big sue as always always once he took over the sepia button it just completely flipped the quality on that you know i i I can't argue i can't argue with that yeah but so uh what big sue mentioned was uh billy rock school school of rock class wars uh it was essentially his trainees doing like a storyline program that was kind of headed up by previous caller tom green uh in like a storage set shed and it was getting like a little bit of good buzz and as Sue mentioned, he, amongst other people, there were Chikara fans, and that's what happened with a lot of these other promotions that kind of got swallowed up with this whole wrestling is thing that they saw, like they saw the pie in the sky that they're going to get to be part of Chikara. Little did they know that they were a means to an end of a storyline for Chikara and would be short, shortly thereafter forgotten about completely and just completely wrung dry of any of their usefulness. Hmm. All right, next call. 
Hello, guys. Kevin here. Uh, I am hard at work putting the finishing touches on my kid's Halloween costume. He very much wanted to be Damien Wayne's version of Robson, which is not a costume that's sold in stores. So I've been working on it for the last month. It got me thinking. For either of you, if you could dress as one wrestler, anytime uh, costume, you don't have to make the costume. It just shows up at your doorstep. Perfect. Any wrestler, any era, any outfit. What's your Halloween outfit? Thank you, guys. Looking forward to the show. Bye. Easiest answer on the planet, Orange Cassidy. You got the, <laughs> you got the elastic-y, like, drawstring fake shorts. So it's like, you know, you don't have to worry about it being tight around the waist. You got a T-shirt, you know, nothing more comfortable than that. And you got a, a, a freaking uh, denim jacket. It's the easiest, most casual outfit on the planet you get sneakers i don't have to wear any kind of like revealing trunks you know this is that's perfect so i i'm in the same ballpark but obviously i'm a man of uh, a little bit si- more sizable carriage than you adam and it is actually you know who i do uh currently dress as as a you know in my everyday life you know it's a professional wrestler um it's 2001 to current era of mick foley sweatpants <laughs> Loose-fitting T-shirts, you know, poor haircuts, um, you know, a lot of elastic, a lot of, uh, you know, billowy, you know, things. But, uh, like, I, in my mind, I have, like, commissioner-era Mick Foley, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, but, you know, even those last couple matches, he wrestled in sweatpants as opposed to actual, like, wrestling tights. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we both went with comfort over style. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. All right, thank you for your call, Kevin. Next call. Hey, Joe. Hey, Adam. Uh, this is Brett calling from We Need Wrestling and Wings on Wings. Um, since you guys seem to be the only podcast that doesn't have an issue this week, right. um, I figured I'd call in and say hello and, uh, and ask a question. So Friday night after uh, LVAC, we were discussing the feud between Kona Crush and Doink, and how both guys kind of came out of it um, dead in the water, I'd say. Um, do you guys have any other feuds where you can think the feud went way too long and it, neither person benefited from it at all? Very curious to hear your answers. Hope you guys are good. Uh, thanks for reaching out this week, by the way. Hope everyone's feeling better. And, uh, yeah, thank you. Good hearing from Brett, and uh, hope you feel better as well, buddy. And I just want to say I was not able to participate in that conversation after the LVAC because uh, myself, Rob, and Doug were stuck at the kitty table <laughs> where we all just sat and looked at our phones for an hour while we ate, while the cool kids were a booth away talking wrestling, and it sucked. Well, you could have turned around and joined the conversation. Just the way that, you know, that particular Cracker Bill that we went to, maximum occupancy 48, uh, was set up, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but a feud that went on too long and nobody got anything out of it, Joe. What do you got? Uh, so, you know, obviously, I'm sure there's a bunch in WCW that I could, like, really rack my brain about, but they're kind of like low-card angles. But I would say pretty much Every Tatanka feud in WWE, specifically the Tatanka turn to join the Million Dollar Corporation with Lex Luger. For 
three months on TV, Tatanka accuses Lex Luger of joining the Million Dollar Corporation. Luger pleads and says, I'm not a part of the Million Dollar Corporation. They have a match at SummerSlam to determine something, right? Mm-hmm. They do a phone poll where the fans even think Lex is going to join the Million Dollar Corporation. And it turns out that Tatanka ends up joining the Million Dollar Corporation. Within two months, Tatanka's in a do-nothing, go-nowhere tag team with Bam Bam Bigelow. Luger is literally not on TV. Uh, he ends the year by being the one who gets to announce that Bret Hart won Superstar of the Year. L- Luger and Tatanka have a blow-off cage match to their feud on the Road to WrestleMania special on USA the week before WrestleMania. It's not even on fucking WrestleMania. Uh, And Luger gets pushed down into a team of the Allied Powers with the British Bulldog, and Tatanka leaves the company under allegations of possibly dalliances with Gigolo Jimmy Del Rey. You, sir, have just given more analysis of Tatanka uh, than has ever been warranted on a podcast before. <laughs> I'm not even counting Tatanka's feud with Shawn Michaels, uh, Tatanka's two feuds with Rick Martel, Tatanka's two feuds with Bam Bam Bigelow, Tatanka's feud with uh, Ludwig Borga. All of these things either resulted in the person coming out of the feud needing, like, something else to fix them or leaving the company completely like Lex Luger and Ludwig Borga. Yeah. Unrelated, but related when Tatanka's vignettes first started and it was just, uh, Chris Chavez, Chris Chavez. Yes. Chavez. And he was just like, get, you know, cutting promos around a fire, but he wasn't like a completely over the top stereotype. I was like, Oh, this is kind of a cool, gimmick you know you don't see this kind of representation that much and i obviously fucking 20 plus years ago i wasn't using the term representation or anything but i you know for some reason i was like okay there's something cool about this and then they had him just come out like in the headdress and with the the axe and i was like oh okay we're just we're going the easy route never mind (laughs) you know so i think that that set the, the 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 table for everything that would come down the road with tatanka but oh, I don't I, have an answer. Just, my answer is just everything Ultimate Warrior. Can I just say that? <laughs> hmm. Everything not Warrior Hogan. You know, <laughs> like every other feud. I'm trying to think. So he has the program at Hercules. Okay. Then he has... Rick Rude. No, then he has Honky Tonk. Okay, I'm jumping ahead, yeah. Then he has Rick Rude. Then he has Andre. Then he has Hogan. Then he has Macho. And then he's gone. And that's the first run. Like, that's how crazy his first run is. Like, those are his programs. That's it. Plus, plus the Warrior Andre the Giant, that was like house show and Coliseum video pretty much, right? It wasn't like something that if you were watching TV, you didn't know that was happening. Well, they did promos and stuff, like, on TV, but, like, you never saw them wrestle on TV. Yeah. Um, you know what? I'll throw another one out there. Uh, IRS. Like, if you feuded the IRS, uh, you had to take a step back, and there was even an IRS Tatanka mini feud that I'm sure killed both of their careers deader <laughs> than doornails. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Brett. Thanks, Brett. Glad you're feeling better. Yep. Next call. Hey, Adam. Hey, Joe. Uh, this is DJ from 
We Need Wrestling. I'm a soon to be named network at uh, We Need Wrestling on Twitter. Uh, I just call it in. There's no We Need Wrestling this week. Uh, Brett's recovering from a medical procedure, and I got COVID, uh, much like Adam uh, and lots of other people from the uh, recent LVAC show. Uh, and uh, Joe asked online if on Twitter if I wanted to call and vent about anything. And, well, uh, in between trips to the bathroom and uh, trying various hot sauces and eating raw garlic because I have lost my sense of taste and smell uh, and finding out that NyQuil, uh, in fact, keeps me up at night uh, <laughs> and also discovering that uh, Tylenol PM uh, basically wipes my brain for 12 hours. Uh, I do have something I want to vent about, uh, and it's uh, Matt Taven. Matt Taven's going to be on my TV every week now. Is that a thing that we're doing? Uh, great. Uh, you know, that's one thing AEW needed was more boring wrestlers. I want to fast forward through all their matches, to, uh, but I can't because I'm watching it live. So, uh, great. Yeah. But uh, I'm feeling a little better every day. I'm getting there. Adam, I hope you're feeling a little better. Uh, I'm glad that not everybody at the Sudamedia Network got it. Some of you guys walked away. My fault, really, for delaying getting my third booster. Uh, but I should be all good for uh, AEW coming up, and we'll be back in the saddle at no time. So uh, thanks. Talk to you guys later. Bye. First of all, you can hear uh, that DJ definitely sounds like he got it much worse than I did. So if I if I complained, I feel bad because you know his experience so far uh, sounds like he has it worse. So get well soon, buddy. And uh, I will just say regarding Matt Taven, you got to take the good with the bad because you're also getting Maria Canellis. So true. I feel like yes, you're getting boring, unwatchable wrestling, but you get Maria. So uh, maybe we'll take it. Uh, I I'm not. Never going to say that I'm a Matt Taven apologist. I get why he has such a negative connotation. It took a long time for him to get over being the New England indie guy who decided to do a fucking acai moonsault to the outside on 70-year-old George the Animal Steel and almost killed him. Jesus. Um, But on his promo on TV this past week, he called uh, Samoan Joe and Wardlow Melvin's. And I don't know if I could defend anyone who says that in a promo in 2022. Yeah, I don't even get that reference. It's just like a different, like, slang term for nerd. All right. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) Am I too young or too old to understand that? Um, Too young. Okay, I was going to say, because I don't know, because I'm often the wrong generation for most references. Right. But... Looking right. forward to the next episode of uh, We Need Wrestling. Yeah, boys, get better, feel better, come back stronger than ever, take a lot of notes for the New Japan stuff that you're watching this weekend, huh? I, I, I know. They, they've been my fix for all my Japanese stuff, because I just don't right. have time to stay up all night to watch the stuff live, <laughs> and I need my fix. So I listen to them talk about it, you know? Oh, that's right. Sure. <sighs> all right. That's all right, last call. Pink button time. Hey, Joe and Adam, it's Ed. Um, getting my call in early this week because I don't want I don't want to forget uh, what I was gonna ask. Um, so it was really nice seeing everybody at uh, Sokol's. Love that venue. Um, had a great time. 
uh, it was really nice to catch up with all uh, all my TA friends. I love that a lot. And uh, Joe, uh, thanks for the invite from uh, for me and Pat to uh, go get food after. But I think Pat was correct in saying that uh, after he drank an entire bottle of Tito's and I had six white claws, we were probably not the best people to bring out in public. <laughs> um. <laughs> So much fucking fun. I can't wait for December. But I have one question about the show, and I figure, Joe, you're a man that knows people, and you might know the answer to this. Edith's a real mom. You think that's a real, is that a shoot mom, or is that a working mom uh, when we were all chanting for Edith's mom? Um, I don't know. I'm really excited to get the answer to that because I, I forgot to ask. I hope it was, I hope it was a shoot mom, a, shoot, a, a nice chant for a shoot mom, not a working mom. Um, hey, did you guys talk about XPW yet? No. Okay, bye. Uh, first of all, for anybody who doesn't follow us on social media or see some of Ed's tweets, uh, Ed swerved all of us last week by saying that he would not be a sexy cat girl. And he, he in fact, was a sexy cat girl at Sokol's. Yeah. And uh, Ronald Two Legs as a priest was an added bonus. I'm just going to say I did notice under his sexy cat girl costume, he was wearing a San Francisco Giants baseball jersey. <laughs> I'm throwing it out there. Yeah. Um, but no, we don't talk about XPW. You did on your show this week with Kurt. Go listen to Pod Van Dam this week. Like, always listen to Pod Van Dam, but this time they had Kurt from the stink sheet on. And uh, he and Ed have a uh, very good chemistry. They did a really good job. Um, and nobody from Pod Van Dam listens to this show. It was nice to hear Ed talk to people that actually care about doing a podcast. <laughs> All right. Um, but I don't know if Edith, that was in fact Edith's, Edith's mom or not. Um, I was talking to Edith this week, so I will ask her if her mom was at the show. Yep. And like I said, it was good seeing Ed. Uh, Ed, tell Pat it was good seeing him. And as always, Jonah can go fuck himself. That's true. Never yeah. been truer. <laughs> uh, okay, so thanks everyone for calling in. Uh, we're going to run through this as quickly as we possibly can. Um, IWTV, use the promo code at odds, new subscriber. Um, we'll figure out getting a fight TV code somewhere in the near future. Uh, T Public store sale, 35% off everything until Sunday. Um, you know, tinyurl.com slash longboxheroes. Uh, really help us out by making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon affiliate link. Uh, it's in the show notes to every single one of these episodes, no matter where it is that you get the episodes. does not cost you anything extra. They call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Adam happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the fucking money. Yeah. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week include a curved shaving stand men's razor holder, which I think is a holdover from last week, the person who purchased that fancy bowl. Yeah, I think a lot of our, our listeners are, are doing some, some manscaping, some self-care. Mm -hmm. you know, we, have, we have some of the most handsome and pretty listeners, Joe. We do? We do! I think we do. We do. Yes. <laughs> Uh, somebody also purchased Cargen Classic Temporary Tattoos. I'm not going to read the whole description, uh, but the word tattoo appears one, two, three, four, five times in the description. And somebody also purchased USB-C female to USB male adapter, four-pack charging converter, whatever, whatever. Yeah, another long, lengthy description, as I see here. I love it. Right. 
All right. But thank you, anyone who made a purchase this week, this month, this year. Any little bit helps. Yeah, and you know what else helps when you listen to these podcasts, Joe? And those podcasts are Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, a lot of Azrael talk at the beginning of this week's Longbox Heroes. I just want to make sure you know that that, that goes appreciated amongst uh, all of us people that know the true uh, hottest superhero in the business. But, I was going to say, even but- though it was negative? No, I don't know. You guys were talking about the breaking of the bat and the 30th anniversary. It was, I dare say it was at least neutral coverage. Okay. Anyways, final wrestling place. We need wrestling. Hit my music, porch talk, viewers choice, WWE war, wrestling cheers, IWTV guide, pod Van Dam, the a show wings on wings between the sheets. And if you catch my grift, Some might cost a little. Some might cost a lot. But I'm the $100 Vansky. And your figures will be bought. <laughs> No build-up. We're getting right into it. I was told that uh, it's going to be a big, hefty weekly purchases segment this week. Yeah, I feel um, like we still got another hour to the show. All right. Uh, <laughs> I, I So I'll get mine out of the way real quick. Uh, I purchased a Pokemon Christmas sweater from a kid. Uh, he's a big Pokemon guy. He's a big Christmas guy. And a lot of times, like, he lets us know that he wants something to wear for Christmas, like, December 23rd. so i saw that they just upped this like they just put up a lot of their christmas stuff on pokemancenter.com there were five different christmas sweaters i said pick one i ordered it he's getting it okay cool Uh, also the saturday the sunday after uh thanksgiving we purchased tickets to go see the trans-siberian orchestra here at the arena all right just you and the wife you and the wife and kid all three of us. My wife wanted to go so that my kid gets to see, like, people who play instruments like that in a live setting, you know? Thinking it'll maybe inspire him to to in- double down on his efforts type Well, not to, not to say that to double down on it, but she just wanted to give him, like, a in-person example of that sort of music being done, like, at an expert level, let's say. Gotcha. All right. That's and cool. I, and I have one more purchase, but I have to save it for later. Oh, all right. Fair enough. Um, All right. So uh, if you remember, uh, very controversial weekly purchases last week. Uh, We received a lot of letters, a lot of complaints about the fact that it was a very short segment. But boy, howdy, buckle up, Joe. This is going to go long. Uh, I had a little bit of a week. And I will go quickly. Not a lot of stories here, but just starting things off with the LVAC show uh, this past Friday, uh, COVID wasn't the only thing I brought home from Sokols. And I purchased uh, a Steel Stacks event poster with uh, Eddie Kingston and Orange Cassidy on it. Uh, I purchased a Vote for Ultramantis yard sign, which I am not putting in my yard. That's just going to stay here in my podcasting room. But it's awesome. It came with like the metal that you would use to stick a political sign in your yard. 
it comes with that. So that was an extra uh, perk that I thought was awesome. Uh, I purchased a shirt from CPA because I got my Mark photo with CPA as well as Sydney Bacabella at the show. Uh, and lastly, from LVAC, if you remember from Steel Stacks, Kenny from the Mystery Man had won the giveaway. And as he was carrying his uh, his giant bag of prizes, he attempted to bust me hard way with the skate deck that he won. Uh, but he was nice enough to give him my cut of the fucking prizes. Yeah. And uh, he gave me an LVAC shirt and a TNA wrestling uh, little duffel bag. So, uh, yeah, I got a bunch of stuff from uh, LVAC. Oh, it's very nice of Kenny. Kenny's a good yeah, dude. Absolutely. Uh, wasn't necessary, but I'll take it. It's funny for the story. Um, I went on ringside and I placed an order for defenders. Uh, I needed some retro defenders for my heels and faces, Broski and Hawkins figures that we got a couple months ago. Uh, decided I finally need to put them in some defenders. I Didn't also- I give you a defender for them? You gave me a defender for my Ethan Page cella. There you go. That's what it was. My apologies. No, it's all good. Yeah. Um, but I just needed a standard Hasbro style defenders for the heels and faces because the cella needed like a different one. It was like a thicker one, if you remember. Yeah, because the card was just like slightly higher. Exactly. So um, so I needed defenders for those. I also needed a defender for uh, another purchase that I'm going to talk about in a minute. But as I've mentioned before, you can't just order defenders on ringside, Joe. There's no fun in that. You got to get a figure or two, right? Uh, so I ordered because it was on sale the Unrivaled Ten Miro, which is like the God's favorite champion Miro. Uh, I needed that, and I was just waiting for it to go under twenty bucks before I picked it up. And I also bought the Elite ninety seven uh, Alexa Bliss one, which is the Elite that comes with Lily. It's in the same line as uh, Chainsaw Charlie. I would have gotten Chainsaw, but it's not in stock. So I'm, my new rule is I'm not buying anything unless it's available. You know, like I'll wait until it's in stock. I'm not ordering something from Ringside and then waiting five months. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, So I mentioned that I needed to buy a Defender for something else, and that something else is, after months of negotiation, I finally purchased from Brett, from uh, Wings on Wings on Wings and We Need Wrestling, his ringside exclusive HBK figure. Uh, It's the HBK in the initial heel run, kind of like the white trunks with the hearts on it and like the Heartbreak Hotel type gimmick. Uh, but there was a ringside exclusive. Uh, it's something I wanted. I That and the DX Shawn Michaels ringside exclusive, which is a fucking fortune, uh, are figures that have been on my want list for a while. Brett had one. We went back and forth for a little while, and then we did the uh, the Macho and Hogan shake for it, and we exchanged to that LVAC. So thank you, Brett, for the good deal. All right. Those are good figures. Like I'm glad you struck a good deal for them. Thank you. I, I got to say something so I could take a second to stop talking. But All right. Um, I also purchased, just to go over to sports real quick, uh, I don't often mention Funko Pops, but I purchased a David Wright. Do you know who David Wright is, Joe? No. He was a player on the Mets, and I'm not a Mets fan, but there was a stadium giveaway for City Field this year. Uh, where they were giving away a David Wright Funko Pop, but it was David Wright dressed as Captain America. 
and I do collect Captain America Funko Pops. So this was something that met my rules. Uh, it's a stadium giveaway. It's a Captain America Funko. It's two tastes that taste great together. So I picked that up on eBay. Unrelated, did any more of those Nick Swisher bobbleheads go up? They they have not. So which every, God's honest truth, not a day goes by where I'm not mad at myself for not picking that up, like that second one. But nah, still, and I, and I even check uh past like maybe I missed a sale or something like that. So I check completed listings. Nope, none of them gone up since the one I bought. And have you listened to the Nick Swisher podcast yet? I there was a one minute trailer. I listened uh. to that. I did not listen to the first episode. I don't know if it came out. If it did, I, I haven't listened. Looking at the show image, Nick Swisher looks like a real exciting dude. <laughs> He's a little high energy for my taste, yeah. Uh-huh. But anyways, maybe a little bit of that, uh, the nose beer that Ed talks about. Um, just real quick, I'll stick with sports. I kind of started to buy a couple sports cards because uh, we talked about this maybe recently with some of my misses. Uh, but for those who know sports, I purchased a Najee Harris rookie card, and this is a Steelers player, Joe. Um, I was looking for uh, a specific card of his uh, that was limited to 50, like 50 copies of it. Uh, and that card generally sells for like 60, 70 bucks. And I was like, oh, I'll wait till I can kind of catch a deal. Uh, but somebody put up the same card, but limited to only 10 copies. So a much rarer parallel. And it was like, buy it now, 40 bucks. So it's a much rarer version than what I was looking for. Uh, and at half the price of the price I was willing to spend. So I kind of had to jump on it. Like, I don't know if the guy either didn't care or didn't know what he had. Uh, so I jumped on that because I do know Noah uh, or best offer. Just you went strictly buy it now on that one. Uh, it did not have a best offer. Gotcha. I, I, I'm honestly, I'd be hard pressed to know what I would do in that situation because, like, the forty dollar price tag, and it was like yeah. forty dollars for free shipping. Like I said, it's it was such a good price that I'd be like, oh, maybe somebody else will jump on it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and my last card, and one of my last purchases is if anybody watched uh, baseball over the past week, you might know that. The Yankees might have kind of teensy little bit underperformed. Uh, <laughs> uh, they might have slightly disappointed a lot of their fans, but there's one person on that entire team that didn't disappoint anybody. There's one Yankee that I'm not mad at, and everybody, go ahead and say it along with me, Harrison fucking Bader. And oh, I, I can said, say Aaron Judge. Okay. <laughs> no, fuck Aaron Judge. Fuck that traitor, that future San Francisco giant. You heard what? me here first. He's not going to be a Yankee. He's good riddance. Uh, <laughs> but Harrison Bader, the one New York Yankee who actually showed up to the playoffs, I was pricing his rookie cards during the series uh, against the Guardians, and they just kept going up and up and up, and I was lamenting, to, to Marcus, I was lamenting to a buddy of mine that like every single day that I waited to buy a Harrison Bader card, the price was going up by like 30, 40 bucks. The next day, 30, 40 bucks more. These are cards that started off before the playoffs as like $40 cards that by the time the Astro series started, they were like four or $500 cards. Oof. Now, I was mad at myself and be like, oh man, why didn't I get one from day one? 
But then I said, you know what? They're going to lose to the Astros, and then everybody's going to realize, all right, let's let's pump the brakes. Let's realign these prices. So I showed a little bit of rare discipline, and I waited until after the Astros series was over. And wouldn't you know it, Joe, all the cards plummeted. And I was able to uh, win in an auction uh, a Harrison Bader autographed rookie, limited to 250 copies, and uh, Beckett graded gem mint. And I got it for under 100 bucks. And this was a card that I was mad at myself a week prior that I didn't pay 300 for. You know, so uh, uh, I got it for a real good steal. And if you if you saw, like, I tweeted out uh, a tweet where I was like. It was like I'm about to ruin somebody's day. Yes, because like, the top bid on the card was like thirty nine dollars with nineteen seconds left, and I just put in a bid of like two hundred bucks, <laughs> and I ended up winning for like seventy nine dollars or seventy two dollars, something like that. I don't care. Uh, but like I said, the fact that I uh, managed to get such a great deal compared to what they were going for a couple days prior when all the hype was real, you know. So uh, the card market, of course, feels like a very volatile market that it would swing so wildly in such a short amount of time. It's because in people's minds, and I could be guilty of it, too, where they're like, "Okay, Harrison Bader has been the star of the Yankees postseason. What if the Yankees go on and beat the Astros? And what if they win the World Series? And Harrison Bader is this guy who wins the the World Series MVP and then he becomes like the star of the New York market and like the Yankees are like we don't need Aaron Judge we have Harrison Bader and he's on the box of uh, like a Wheaties box and he's doing commercials for Gatorade so people get that hype and they panic and they're like I need to get these cards immediately and it's like all right what are the chances of any of that happening slim so let's all pump our brakes. Let's wait. And I just bought the card because he's like a good baseball player and I like the guy. Uh, I wasn't buying it under the speculation that he was going to become the next like household name. You know? Sure. So, so I was willing to roll the dice on them coming back down to earth. My last purchase, Joe, and this is more of a follow up. Yes. I returned the Pixel Watch. What? Oh, the watch. Okay. The watch. And I bought a Galaxy Watch 5. Uh, So uh, if you remember, I had a Galaxy Watch 2. I traded that in for the Pixel Watch. The Pixel Watch had a ton of problems, some of which I fixed. A lot of the notification issues I fixed. Uh, I love the look of the Pixel Watch. It's the most comfortable watch I ever had. But at the end of the day, uh, the screen was too small. And the battery just didn't last like nearly long enough to get a day out of it. So I swapped it out for the Galaxy Watch 5. It's significantly larger. The battery can last up to three days. Uh, and it's awesome. I, I love it. Um, so no complaints, but I just want to follow up. And it was cheaper. So like I returned the Pixel Watch, got the, this new one, and I got like 80 bucks back in my pocket. So, Good for you. Yep. So love the Pixel phone hate the pixel watch but that's it for weekly purchases for me joe so uh, unless you're mad about anything i think we're done well i do got one more weekly purchase adam but first Zombie 
sailor toys. <laughs> Happy Josh, anniversary. Josh Sailor. Oh, yes. Uh, we are on the cusp of the anniversary, right? Yep. And uh, I was actually just looking uh, through my collection here. And uh, Adam, wouldn't you know today is the one-year anniversary that I got the exclusive card that you get for pre-ordering the Double J Zombie Sailor action figure, right? Oh, nice. Right. Perfect timing for all of this. So, um, you know, as we've discussed here on the show, that Double J figure that I pre-ordered back in August, um, or July, rather, my apologies, is currently at 15-plus months and not having been shipped yet, okay? Any day now. They left the factory, though. Now, to give you the updates, uh, a month today, uh, Zombie put out, Jeff is leaving on a vessel from our factory overseas to us this week. That was what he sent out on September 26th, okay? Yep. October 20th, he sends out, friendly reminder, Jeff Jarrett figures have left our factory and should be to us in a couple weeks. Hmm, sounds like the same thing he said before, but only a week later. No, no, three weeks later. Three weeks later, I'm sorry, yeah. Three weeks later. Um, So we are no closer to having that double J figure even close to being here. And then... As there was discussion last week regarding the Heels and Faces figures that are up for pre-order now. If you're in the Broski group, you got them to pre-order them two days early and with a little bit of a discount. And there was only one figure I wanted from it. And that's the one figure that because of the goddamn cloth goods that it has, and because it's the most intricate figure that they have to date, instead of... what. I just keep saying all these things that nobody asked for, you know, all these things that nobody asked for um, instead of like the rest of the line that's going to be shipping between February and March, which is bullshit. This figure cost five dollars extra and is going to ship in the summer. So (laughs) if we're going to take zombie at his word and let's say that these things ship in March because of the extra five dollars that I'm paying, paying for a little tiny cloth shirt that you tie around the figure's waist, that's adding an extra three to six months lead time on that figure. <laughs> you now, are not... Okay, I just want to just it, say before you get into what you're going to say, the the standard line that they're claiming people are going to get in February, uh, yeah, that may be in the fall if you're lucky. And that Raven figure, I'm going to say February of 2024. So, uh, okay, I don't think it's going to be that late. Um, So I'll say this. Um, You know, it took 14 months from pre-order, or no, I'm sorry, 13 months from pre-ordered ship of the first wave of figures, okay? Mm -hmm. The Jarrett is currently at 15 months and counting. No no sign of a ship date of anything at all. This set, and again, I'm gonna I'm gonna give them this the better for the doubt. I'm giving some extra days, and we're gonna pick things up in November, okay? And we're gonna go worst case scenario and say it's true to his word that these figures that you're able to pre-order in the first week of November, which the pre-order for these figures has been moved back two months from their original pre-order date, he's claiming that they're gonna ship February or March. I'm gonna hedge my bets and say March, okay? So he's claiming that these figures are going to take five months to ship, okay? 
when you were able to pre-order one figure, the Double J figure, the initial ship date on that figure was supposed to be February of 2022, okay? So we're currently at an additional eight months beyond the ship date of one figure, okay? Can I ask you a question? How? Uh, what was the initial timetable of the Jarrett between the pre-order date and the expected fulfillment date? That, well, okay, so that's that's what I mean. When we were able to pre-order in July of 21, it was pre-ordered, and even in the email it said expected ship date February 2022. Okay, so like six five months. months. Oh, five months. My math is bad. Okay. Or no, actually seven months. My apologies, because okay. July to February, seven months. Okay? Oh, math is good. Yep. So these new figures, he's claiming five months because they have the system perfected now. They can get the figures out in a much quicker amount of time, except for that little tiny cloth piece on one figure. That's adding an additional six months onto that one figure. But you're paying for it. You're paying the extra money for that quality that no one asked for. OK, <laughs> yeah, um, I'm going to say that the the everything but the Raven are going to ship. By the end of April. They're not going to ship February, March. They're going to ship by the end of April. Hawkins and Broski are going to be given theirs at the live show that they run WrestleMania weekend. And then we'll get then everybody else who order them will get them shipped out after Mania weekend. Okay. Yeah, he's, got, he's got to take some time to stomp on the boxes first before he packs them out, sends them out. <laughs> right. And we'll come back to that as well. The stomping on the boxes too. So Raven is supposed to ship in the summer. And I know a lot of people think like, oh, June, July, August. No, no. Summer technically begins the end of June and runs to the end of September. I'm saying you said February of 2024 on that figure? Yeah. Um, If we're ordering it now, will it be 15 months plus like the Jarrett? And that would put it... So we're going to go a year from now. I'm going to say we're going to get Raven Christmas of 2023. How about that? Uh, I mean, I'm, okay. giving, I'm, I'm going two months earlier than what you're saying. No, I got you. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a decent window. You know, yeah. I just think that seeing all the carny fucking bullshit that he fucking spews on a on a weekly basis, like he's going to just lean on. Well, it takes a while to have all this detail. Like I could have just easily put out a figure with no tattoos and, and no cloth goods, and I could have got you that in like two months. But I, I no, love you could no. Yeah, I love you guys, and I love. I wanted to just give you the best possible figure in the world, and that just takes time. And then you'll have fucking seventy percent of the people in that group being like, "Oh, thank you, zombie. Thank you for everything that you do. I love you." And it's just it's. It's just this fucking jerk off fest of the two, like the two parties. It's ridiculous. Oh. So the other thing that I have to say in regards to all of that is so Jarrett, we're going to have by Christmas of this year. There's no way that figure is going to ship in the month of November. No way in hell. Right. Yeah. Then. I was talking about this on After Dark. If you go listen to After Dark this week, I don't have the updated list of what's on the coming up, whatever. And I was kicking the tires on if and when we get the announcement for Power, Glory, and Slick. 
yeah, as far as far as the what would be your next uh, heels and faces figure you'd want. Yeah, right. So my thing with that is if they do it as a two pack or a three pack, I'll absolutely buy it. If they do power and glory as a two pack, but they have cloth goods, I don't know. It's probably going to take forever because of that cloth shirt that they have. But if they do <laughs> them as a two pack and slick as a standalone single, I'll get them. But they do if they do them as three individual figures, I probably won't get it. Yeah, if I was a a betting man, I'd say that they're going to be individual just because, you know, if they put them on a a card back where there's two of them on a card back, Joe, that's going to add at least three more months to the production. Right. (laughs) Oh, and so the other thing all the time, get these pre-orders in now, get these pre-orders in now. Um, And you would know better than I do. You could get that first line of heels and faces on the secondary market for cost. About 30 to 35 shipped per figure. Okay, and they were selling for 40 right? Yeah, yeah. so less than cost now. Less than cost, okay? So then, after the first pre-order, it was they were done, and you'd never be able to get them again, except for the other two times that Zombie released different sets of them out to people, and the fact that you can currently order them directly through Pro Wrestling Tees. Yep, yep. And somebody, uh, if you remember during the 14-month anniversary, I posted... Uh, a happy 14 month thing in the, in the group, uh, in the, the Facebook group. And somebody just said, uh, I can't wait to just buy the figure on pro wrestling tees. Right. And zombie commented, good luck with that. Yeah. I screenshotted that. And I swear to God, when that Jarrett goes up on pro wrestling tees, yep. I'm going to shout that screenshot from the rooftops. I'm tagging everybody. And I don't give a shit if I get kicked out of that stupid group, you know, <laughs> Until Ed uh, from Pod Van Dam recently put Zombie on Blast about not wanting to order the Nick Gage because it takes so long for figures to come out. Yeah. And Zombie, of course, ignores that. And when he put the thing on about Raven, I tweeted at him uh, saying like, hey, well, you know, like before we knew, like, how much longer is it going to take? You know, like, how much more is it going to be? Asking him questions. No reply from Zombie, but I had another person reply and say, oh, he put that all up on his Instagram. And I'm like, well, thank you. I'm not an Instagram person, but thank you for telling me this. But I would assume the person who's selling these things would tell me these pointed questions to them. It's not like he has this Twitter account where he's inundated with messages, thousands and thousands of messages a day, right? Yeah. So if you go and look, if you search up the zombie sailor Jarrett on Twitter, um, you will see a majority of the people that tweeted him are saying like, hey, when's this figure going to ship, which are ignored? And hey, I missed out on the pre-order. Am I going to be able to order this figure again? Those ones zombie replies to and every reply to that is, nope, these will not be oversold. If you missed out, you missed out, which is bullshit. Because you know there's extras, because you know there's going to be figures that come damaged like the first set. You know there's going to be people of preference that get replacements (laughs) when their figures show up shitty. Won't be me, even though Zombie will make everything right. Yeah, Zombie will make right. And then, once all the figures are sent out, and then he looks at how many he had to replace, because you know he's going to have extra, he's going to come back and say... Well, you knew I had to say ex- get extra. I couldn't tell you that they were available until everybody had theirs in hands and I got all the replacements out. So now I could sell more. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like this guy's a bullshit scam artist. And I feel bad that I'm giving him I'm giving him my money. 
he's a super successful millionaire, Joe, and he doesn't need your money. Right. That's what he tells people, at least. <laughs> now, with that being said, you talked about power and glory and slick as being yeah. something you would want. Uh, when Series 52 comes along and they get around to making a Smart Mark Sterling, I do want a Smart Mark, you know, and I do want the alleged uh, bloody broski and Nick Gage two-pack. Uh, but God's honest truth, I'm going to have to give you money and you're going to have to order them for me because if I order them, he'll probably just cancel them, you know? That is correct. Yeah. But I do want to see if I could find – okay. So I mentioned it on After Dark. Uh, so here's the current list of people. And, the, and I say current. This is as of last July, okay? Barry Horowitz, don't need him. Yeah. Uh, Bill Alfonso, don't need him. Uh, you know I would buy a Bill Alfonso on the secondary market, like once the price comes down. I'd buy a Bill Alfonso for 30 shipped. Okay. Jack Tunney. Nope. Mr. Hughes. Nope. Enzo. <laughs> nope. One Man Gang. Nope. We mentioned Power and Glory and Slick. There are no from me. A Rock and Roll Express. Hell no. Uh, uh, Smart Mark, you mentioned... Todd yep. Pettengill. Nope. Uh, Swoggle's on this list, but <laughs> Swoggle's already jumped ship to Chella. Yeah, he's on the, like, what is it? Chella World Order. <laughs> now, and now Chella also, might, oh, might not exist anymore. <laughs> right. Now, also on this list is RVD. Not going to happen. Because RVD has a WWE Legends deal. Yeah. And a Sex Ferguson one. Yeah, that's not going to happen either. That's well, not going to happen either. I will say there was Stomp Brian and Stomp Matt micro brawlers when Broski and Hawkins were on the WWE roster. Okay. So maybe Sex Ferguson is enough of a departure from Gallows that, like, it can slide. You know? Sure. I, I could see that more likely than RVD. Yeah, there's no way uh, RVD makes it, you know? No. <laughs> uh, I, I've had enough with retros. I think uh, let's everybody just say the heck we're done. Mattel's making them again. Just let them do it. Uh, I, I don't need, like, fucking Diana Smith Hart. <laughs> like, I know that's not a zombie, but, uh, yeah, I think retros have jumped the shark a while ago. But um, I, I'll say this. There needs to be at least one more company making retros for really to jump the shark. Well, I mean, we have <laughs> we have Hastel, we have Chella, we have Zombie, we have Mattel. So that's four. Right. We need a fifth. OK. I heard Longbox Heroes makes figs. No, we don't <laughs> do nothing. I don't know. I saw the solicitation. Longbox Heroes comic book figures. Oh, they're not doing retros, though, you know? Oh, okay. <sighs> well, Joe, is that all you have to vent about that scam artist, Zombie Sailor? Yeah. Uh, I do have something I want to contribute real quick, and it is figure-related, so I figured I'd throw it on here. Uh, and it's, it's more of an update to uh, all heat, no heaters from Longbox Heroes After Dark. Okay. If you remember, Todd went on a rant about uh, him wanting a figure from Walmart and Auto T Vault and all that. Yes. Stuff. 
So I am still currently dealing with that uh, many, many weeks after the fact. And I just wanted to kind of give our listeners a real quick synopsis of it and kind of fill you in on what happened with it. Because Todd gave some information, but it wasn't right. And there was updates to it. But long story short, there was a NECA New York Comic Con, a couple NECA Turtles figures. Todd wanted one of them. I wanted another one. And the only way to get this figure was to buy it from Walmart's website or buy uh, a digital code in stores. And then you take that code, you go to the Auto T Vault website, put in the code, and then they'll ask you, would you like us to send you the figure or would you like us to store it in our vault? Which is, again, I've gone over this before. That's the most ridiculous thing on the planet. Give me the physical figure. So Todd was at New York Comic-Con. He asked me if I could possibly get him the figure. Uh, Because I'm the most professional toy collector in the group and Fig Daddy Cool was unreliable in this case, I successfully ordered one on Walmart's website. Walmart's website says, once you purchase this item, uh, within 24 hours, we will send you a separate email with the digital code that you then go and use that code on Auto T Vault, and you, that's how you get the figure. So I purchased it on Walmart's website. I never got the digital code. I never got the second email with the code. So I went on Walmart's chat feature on their website. And somebody's like, oh, well, you're not actually going to get a physical item in the mail. You're going to get a digital code. I'm like, I, I understand that. I was like, I didn't get the code. Did you try checking your spam filter? I'm like, Buddy, I, I know how to use my email. I didn't get the code. All right. Well, we're going to have to escalate this and we'll we'll get you another code sent to you and you'll get it within 48 hours. I'm like, All right. Not a problem. Can I have a reference number for this conversation? Sure. Here it is. So I wait the 48 hours, and Joe, of course, I don't get the code. So I jump on digital chat again, and the person's like, oh, well, you need to take your code and go to auto T vault. I'm like, I didn't get the code. Did you check your space? I know how to use my email. (laughs) Oh, well, we can escalate this, and we can get you a code email. No, I was like, at this point, just give me my money back. I was like, I'm done with this. I don't trust this process. This process is bullshit. I didn't say I'm nice in the chat. This is the second go around where you've given me no information. Yeah, this is the second chat person. Uh, This is the after it was already escalated, quote unquote, whatever. I'm very nice to the the people in the chat because I've worked retail. But I'm like, I know I'm not going to deal with like a bullshit response. So the person's like, yeah, not a problem. I've just successfully processed your refund. You'll get an email from us saying that you got the refund within 24 hours and it'll be back on your card within seven to 10 business days. I'm like, okay, no problem. Can I have a reference to this conversation? Reference number. Sure, here it is. So 24 hours go by. I don't get an email from Walmart about the refund. Seven to 10 business days go by. I did not get the refund back on my credit card. So it is around this time that Todd found the physical digital codes at Walmart and was able to go and order the figures. He got me a shredder. He got the Reddit that he wanted. Um, So I still haven't gotten my refund. So last night I jump on the chat again. I'm like, hey, listen, here's my reference number for this conversation. Here's my reference number for this conversation. I have not gotten a refund for this thing. It has been nearly three weeks since I ordered it. I need a refund for this like now. You know, this is ridiculous. 
oh, well, we actually can't refund these types of things. You need to send an email to blah, blah, blah. And he gives me this, this customer service email. And I was like, why is this the first I'm hearing about this? They're like, well, this is the email address that takes care of all digital code issues from Walmart's website. So I'm like, all right, this is BS. Give me a reference number to this conversation. All right, cool. So I get off the digital chat with that guy. I start writing my magnum opus, this long ass email with all the reference numbers of all the individual chats. I have dates. I held all the receipts. I was like, this is the order number. This is the, like, this is when I talked to this person. This was the whatever. Here's all the details. I want my money back and I want it now. You know, like this is ridiculous. Yeah. So I am typing that email and keep in mind this, it's like one in the morning. Uh, my phone starts ringing. I look at it. It says Walmart. Now, I didn't ask anybody to call me at Walmart, but I'm thinking for whatever reason, maybe when I was in the chat, like I just – when the guy told me to call – or to write the email, I just closed the chat. I didn't say goodbye or anything. Sure. So maybe they're like, oh, you've been disconnected. We're going to call you. I'm like, no, I don't need to hear anything from them. So I'm writing this email, and I told Todd. I was like, this is the first time in this three-week process that I'm getting hot. Because I didn't really care before. I was like, ah, it's a pain in the ass, but whatever. But when they told me that I need to email whatever to resolve it, I was getting hot. So it's 1.30 in the morning. I'm getting a call from Walmart. I hit decline. Finish typing up my email. I hit send. Get another call from Walmart. I hit decline. And again, this is like two back-to-back calls at like 1.30 in the morning. I get an email from Walmart instantaneously. And Joe, you want to know what that email says? We do not monitor this email. This or this email is no longer monitored. Please contact one eight hundred Walmart for customer service. So the one that they gave you to send it to is no longer monitored. Exactly, uh, and I double triple checked. I, I didn't mistype it or anything like that. Uh, so again, this is one thirty in the morning. My phone rings again. It's Walmart. They, they just keep calling me. So finally, I answer. And I get a person and he's like, I hear you're having an issue with an order. So I try telling him, I was like, listen, I blah, blah, blah. I went through all this and he's like, oh, okay, no problem. Let me research it. Well, it says here, sir, that the code that you get from Walmart, you need to go to auto T vault and enter it there. I was like, no, 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 we're not going through this where you tell me how to get this figure. I was like, we're well past that. I do not have this digital code. I need, I almost cursed at the guy, but I didn't. I was like, I need a goddamn refund on this figure. I was like, I'm not dealing with any other forwarding to this person or whatever. I was like, it's $42 after tax. Give me my refund. And he's like, okay, no problem. We can do that. And he's like, you'll get an email. I was like, when? He's like, um, probably any second now. I was like, well, you're staying on the phone with me if, if it's going to be any second now. Uh-huh. And Joe, wouldn't you know it? Like 20 seconds later, I get an email saying, like, here's your confirmation of a refund of $42.40. And I was like, holy shit, you fucking did it. I'm like, what did you do special? And he's like, I just clicked on it and I clicked refund. And I'm like, why the hell did it take me nearly a month <laughs> to get this thing refunded? <laughs> but last night, like I said, almost at two o'clock in the morning, I finally have this resolved. And now luckily the ball's in Todd's court because he's the one who gave Walmart money for the 
the placeholder cards that he found in the store. And from everything I'm seeing online right now, NECA has not shipped a single one of them. And their comments on Twitter and Instagram looks a lot like zombies comments where it's NECA basically saying everything's been a huge success. And it's just hundreds of comments saying nobody has received a figure yet. This is a clusterfuck. I didn't get my digital code. I ordered it on day one successfully. And you guys told me it would be two weeks and it's now a month and I haven't gotten a shipping. And there's not a single person on the planet other than the exhibitors at New York Comic Con that have one of those figures in the hand. But you know what, Joe? It's okay because now it's Todd's money that's tied up. There you go. That's the best uh – course of action kudos to you for even dealing with all this shit you know yeah i like todd at in, in his to his credit he's like dude just don't worry about it like i i'll accept the 40 dollars as a loss i was like no it's the fucking principle of the matter at this point i'm right. not letting fucking walmart get free money from me you right. know it's like it's a different story of like it's a mom and pop or something like that and it's like all right you got me but fucking walmart i'll get my refund times two if i have to you know <laughs> i was almost tempted to go to the store and just steal 40 dollars worth of shit <laughs> <laughs> do the uh sydney bacabella uh self-checkout gimmick exactly you get a lot of great deals that way that's right <laughs> But I figured I would just tell that story because it has uh, some relation to Zombie's customer service method, and uh, it's a follow-up to to Todd's attempt at all heat, no heaters. Well, and again, I I will say kudos to Zombie that his uh, customer service is as good as, if not equal to, uh, like a big company like Auto T-Vault. Yeah, and and Auto T-Vault is NECA. You know, mm-hmm. for it's just a subsidiary of how they're going to handle their NFT bullshit and like archiving figures. But at the end of the day, it's all NECA, you know, so it's not like this new fly by night toy company. Right. Um, but with that being said, yes, Zombie Sailors customer service is just as bad as a big time company like NECA. <laughs> and that's all I got, Joe. Short what show. a fuck. What a fucking mess. <laughs> Yeah. When did figure collecting become a business? Oh, my goodness. When the Broski show started. (laughs) (sighs) That's it. All right. Yeah, that's it. Another giant show, everyone. We kind (laughs) of knew it was going to be, but it is what it is. Yeah, I got my Uh, second win. Huh? I said I got my second win somewhere in there. Yeah. You sound much better now. You ready to do another three hours? Let's do it. No, I gotta smoke first. <laughs> no, we, you go take your smoke. I'll wrap things up. Everyone, thanks for listening. This was episode 213 of At Odds with Wrestling. For Adam, this is Joe saying be safe out there and enjoy some wrestling. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.